five. Now this is most important, Rat. It comes down to making out whenever possible. Put on side one of Rock All Over You Podcast! Let's rock! Eric and Edwin! Edwin and Eric! They don't give a fuck! They just want you to rock! Yeah! Bam 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 Dilly D! Bam bam bam! Rat and roll, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Rock All Over You podcast. Joined joined with, fuck, I'm already drunk. Eric <laughs> Jordan, joined by Mr. Eddie or Eduardo Canastracci, and a very, very special guest, straight off the road from touring with his killer band, Wild Ride, Mr. Mick Watkins, a.k.a. Dick Twatkins. Hey! What's going on, gentlemen? What's going on? How you doing? Oh, man, yeah. good, brother. Yeah, we good. hear your your Roth battle cry. There it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> hey, has there ever been a time where you needed to do it and you like you couldn't do it for some reason? Could, no, dude, it just flows naturally, man. Yeah. <laughs> it never <laughs> fails. Dude, I never asked you this before, but dude, was there a moment like when you were a teenager or something, like the first time? You did it, and you were like, "Oh shit, I can do it! I can do the David Lee Roth thing." I mean, actually, there is. Yeah, yeah. man, uh, I figured it out only a couple years ago, and uh, it was when I was sick, and <laughs> my throat was hurting. You know, uh, because I used to do more of a Rob Alford kind of scream. You know, yeah. um, um, but because my throat was kind of raspy, I learned how to kind of add that David Lee Roth kind of rasp into it. Yeah. So I figured it out. Yeah, it took a sickness to figure it out. So yeah. Sometimes. Not everyone can do that scream, that Daily Ross scream. <laughs> All you people saying he can't, uh, Daily Ross sucks. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's bullshit. Listen to, like, On Fire and shit like that. Listen, yeah, listen to on, that scream he does on On Fire where it sounds like a car tire screeching and a pterodactyl. Who the right. fuck can scream like that? No one yeah. can. Nobody can. Yeah, man. It's, a, it's bullshit. Uh, yeah, a few years later, he might not have been able to do it. But, man, so what? So for a few years there, he was like... Doing things that no one could ever do. So, yeah, for yeah. real, man. Right. So, fucking amazing. So, yeah, so Mick, uh, and also who, who's amazing is fucking Mick Watkins. God, <laughs> I was so I was like last week I, I just gla- I was watching your YouTube video where cool. you're uh, you're unboxing some remastered Motley Crue albums, which have already been like remastered before. There's nothing <laughs> particularly special about this. This is what's but what's special about this video is I looked at the view count. And this was just within 48 hours. Within 48 yeah. hours, you had like 2,000-something views. It and was I, insane, yeah. <laughs> I was like, look at this. I said, Mick, just fucking unpack some fucking, un- you know, just some remastered Motley Crue thing. <laughs> and this is how much of a rock star you are. It goes over 2,000 views. Yeah, 48 hours, man. It freaked me out. I was like, what the? F- Dude, it's just the same old fucking CDs, you know. I mean, there's nothing different except the packaging is worse. You know, honestly, yeah, yeah, they, they fucked up yeah. one of the packages. Yes, they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The um, Theater of Pain book has the Doctor Feelgood inserts and lyrics in it, so oh. I was pretty bummed. You know, <laughs> is, is that your fastest? Because uh, I know you you have a few videos that have done big numbers before. The obviously when Ace Freely retreated you, that did great. And even before that, I think the first one, if I recall, that really had a big bump was that Blue Oyster Cult review you did. 
Uh, the BLC, yeah, their last yeah. release. Yeah, Symbol yeah. Remains. That was the first video that I did that kind of blew up. But then yeah. the Ace Frehley one shot up really fast. The ACDC yeah. one is pretty good, too. I'm looking at the numbers right now. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a 3,000 or something, ACDC mm -hmm. ranking. Yeah. Yeah, but in terms of like how fast the numbers are, I think this seems to be the Motley Crue one seems to be the fastest. It feels the right been. time to do it too, because I mean Motley Crue is like all over the headlines right now right, with the, the whole stadium, stadium tour. tour. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Tour, you know, so did you so it was kind of planned. You know what I mean? It was kind of planned, and and I think I was the first one. You know, that kind of jumped on it. So, yeah. you know, are you thinking to yourself now, like if? If even I buy just like a Motley Crue t-shirt, I should like make a video out of it. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, dude. Buy a shirt, buy a fucking a porno VHS of Pam and Tommy, you know? I mean, I could... Uh, or even the Vince Neil porn. I could review that fucking... Yeah, I think his porn was better. <laughs> I think it was. The Pam and Tommy one was kind of like underwhelming, you know? It was, yeah. <laughs> it's very sweet, you know? I don't like sweetness in my porn. Yeah, call me old fashioned. Yeah, I don't right, want right. Titanic right. bullshit out here. Right, right. exactly. You're so, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. Oh man, <laughs> fucking talk about boner killer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, so that congrats on that. That's awesome. Of course, you know I know nice. very early on because I was one of the first fans of Mick Watkins' YouTube channel back during the Pat. Panama, you know, remember yeah. when we were having the Panama? Panama. <laughs> and and you know, Mick, I saw that Mick had star power, and he Thank was you, awesome. Man. So Thank you, dude. Those first few uh, videos I did, I was really nervous, man, and I had to get really fucking drunk to do them. You know, if you watch <laughs> those, I drank like half a fucking pint of Jägermeister and then kill off like four cores lights. You know, so I was pretty ripped, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but, but now I got it. Now I got it naturally. So yeah. I just do it. And also, your band's blowing up. You know, well, it seems yeah. like it. Wild yeah, ride. Yeah. Yes. Um, we're doing really, really fucking good, man. With this latest release, Gasoline Alley. You know, it's uh, it's been doing well. We're on our fourth video from it, and I think it's at like 6k views now. And we're just playing our asses and balls off nonstop all over the southern and midwestern regions here in the USA. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how fun? So what? What are the crowds like when you're playing? What's the, what's the scene like? What's the scene like? I mean, you see a lot of titties, mixture, man. You know. Oh, dude! This past Friday, uh, we played the uh, well, it was Kentucky bike rally in Sturgis, Kentucky. Yeah. And we seen titties all day long. But, <laughs> yeah. So you say yeah, and you love titties, but most of the titties were not good. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, like middle, like older, kind of saggy. It's like the stadium tour yeah. titties. Uh, worse than the stadium tour, dude, because I've seen oh, that. Oh, God. And, uh, yeah. Like an RV sandwich underwater, like oh, that. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say most of the titties we've seen belong to 60 plus year old women. Oh. You know? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so like well. the guys, the guys like at the shows with their girlfriends, they ain't have to put the girls on the shoulders anymore. All they gotta do is just lift up their titties. That's pretty much, dude. I saw it like that. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> you, know, you know, yeah, that's pretty spot well, it's on. It's easier man. for the boyfriends that the shows then they just gotta like lift up the pair of titties and actually have to put the girl on their shoulder. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, there were about I think I might have counted six to eight really hot ass chicks. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. That's good. Six to yeah. eight. That's a good six rate. That's a good number. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not the eighties and playing the kind of 
awesome kind of 80s style metal that you guys are playing you know it's yeah you know, and, and you're in kentucky too i Dude, can tell you, you guys if you, if you play <laughs> nothing against kentucky i love it but if yeah. you guys played la you know you'd probably be playing bigger places i mean not like you bring more chicks man you probably get some strippers and this you and that you know hotter, right right, right. Less, less funnel cake titties right right yeah um but most of the time the crowds we have you know i mean besides the uh bike rally yeah, you know I mean, it likes to range from people that are like, you know, fucking 18 to 60, 18 to 60, 65, you know, like it's just a vast range of people of, you know, metalheads and rockers, man. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I noticed that a lot of uh, a lot of shows, even with a lot of legacy acts like Judas right. Priest and stuff like that. When you go there, it is kind of like uh, three generations worth of fans that you see at yeah. these shows now. So, yeah, it is, man. I mean, there's a lot of shows like Stranger Things. You know, obviously when the Dirt movie came out, there's like kind of a, a big resurgence of like 80s. Like all these kids are getting into 80s like stuff, you know, like right, 80s culture, right. music, this and that. Yeah, my nephew's really into it. Uh, he loves Motley Crue and all that stuff. See, so, uh, yeah. It's fucking it's, awesome, dude. Yeah, you know, l- listen, I know it makes, we're saying this now, not just because you're on the show. You know, I think Eric and me are in the same boat. We don't, we, we want to love Motley Crue. I mean, you know. I, I, for, well, for me, I loved Motley Crue, and high, which when we get into this episode, because Motley Crue will have a lot to do with, like, my, my thing with Rat. Right. But, like, you know, growing up, I loved Motley Crue because I heard Shot the Devil and the Hits, which are awesome. Um, and then, like, I, you know, I read The Dirt at a very young age, and I thought, these guys are just fucking badasses. They look cool. They got good music. But then when I started deep diving, like, listening to the deep cuts off the other albums, I was like, Okay, this is a little underwhelming here, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I feel like Rat's the opposite of Motley Crue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it's yeah like, I'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, they don't... I mean, they have a couple great hits, don't get me wrong. But they don't... Let's just put it this way. I feel like Motley Crue, at their best, their songs do shine more and are, like, bigger songs. Their but, hits, yeah, definitely like are better than like yeah. Rat's hit songs. But like Rat I say, can actually put out more consistent albums, or like you can listen to yeah. it all the way through. Like, like I don't uh-huh. think there's a song as good on this album we're going to be reviewing as good as Wildside. But mm. I think this album shits all over Girls, Girls, Girls. Like, oh yeah, he's out. He's also like, listen to but, our Girls, Girls, Girls episode. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, I'm but that, that, and that's kind of a perfect example of rap versus Motley Crue. Like Motley Crue right. has a like obviously not counting the first two, albums, which are all soft. You know, I love the first two albums. I think right. all the tracks are great on the first two albums. But then, but then I I feel, and I know Eric feels you're 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 definitely easier on them, Mick. But we feel like their albums become very spotty after the first two albums. They and, do. Yeah. It, it, whereas rap, like I said, rap never. Rat doesn't have some of the peaks that Motley Crue has in terms of some of the songs, but far more consistent. Far more consistent. Oh, yeah. And I don't mm-hmm. actually think they really have anything bad. That's the thing about Rat. I don't... Even some of the, like, <coughs> the stuff they did in the 90s, which is probably their worst stuff, mm-hmm. isn't, like, horrible. It's not like... Well, I actually... It's not embarrassing. No, I listened to no. Detonator, and I used to hate that album. Like, I used to think that was their drop-off, and I listened to it recently, and I was like... You know, this is a pretty damn good album. Like, yeah, there's still some songs in here I kind of don't really like, but, man, it's a lot better than I remember it. The only one I still can't get into is just the the self-titled one, but that was kind of 
that was like them doing what most other 80s bands are doing, trying to do something 90s and grungy yeah. sounding. It just doesn't yeah. work, you know? Yeah. Not great, yeah, but I mean, it's still like, you know what I mean? It's not like embarrassing, though. There's nothing no, like, yeah, no. horrible about It's not embarrassing. That, They're just trying something new that just didn't yeah. click with me, you know? I mean, yeah. But at least they stuck within their style somewhat. You know, I mean, at least they didn't try to be like a rap rock band or like, oh, yeah. like Lynch Mob. Or an industrial thing, you know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Yeah. They, they still... pretty much stayed mo- or rap, you know? Yeah, they stayed with making like hard rock music for the most part, and right. I think that's the thing. And they just they have a great fucking sound. That's the right. thing. Oh, it's it's yeah. kind of like if you they're one of these bands, a little like ACDC, Motorhead, the Ramones. They're like one of these bands that if you like one song of theirs, you're gonna like all of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can yeah. see that. Yeah, they kind of they do have. There's something very <laughs> similar about their songs, and that's you know when we get into this album, that's actually a strength of this album i think actually but yeah. it's just like what once you get into that groove you like the guitar tone you like you know steven's vocals if you just yeah. like the vibe of brat you're, you're more or less gonna like all their albums to varying degrees because yeah. they all kind of have that that's the thing there's just a consistency like i can just yeah. only imagine like imagine motley Crue just did variations of shout out the devil like yeah, that would have been amazing, dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just yeah, like yeah. one of the best bands of all fucking time. Yeah, that, in that, my opinion, you know. Yeah, there would have been then like maybe like you know fifteen or twenty Motley Crue albums I would have loved. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and rap yeah. uh, and rap pretty much did that like in yeah. that way. They yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Mick, what's your, what's your history with the band? My history with the band. Okay, well, all right. Um, if you watch the channel I have and you watch my videos. A lot of the um, ex- you know, like a lot of the exposure that I have with rock music kind of starts within uh, my dad's truck. Me and my dad hanging out, you know, in his truck, riding around, hitting up, uh, you know, um, record stores and everything else. Well, I remember it was the summer of 1999, and um, I was riding around with my dad. And my dad, he used to love like, uh, you know, kind of like. Uh, what do you call them? Like mix CDs, you know? Like uh, oh yeah, yeah. Right. My dad too, man. Right. You mean, like, just you burn a CD. With... No, no, no. Like the ones you buy at the store, you know? Like eighteen oh. greatest heavy metal hits from oh. the eighties. Oh, you know? okay. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, and um, he had this one. I think it was called eighteen hard rock hits or something. You know, and we were jamming on it, and it had shit like uh, Bullet Boys on it, Winger was on it, and I remember the song comes on. And just this song, the riff just kicks my ass. Then this guy starts singing, and it just had the coolest lyrics. The guy's vocals are really what did it to me. And the way that he sang and the melody he sang in, the riff, the lead, it was amazing. And I was like, dude, what is this? And I picked the case up, and I look at this track, whatever, let's say six, seven, or eight. And it was Rat Wanted Man. Oh, and, fuck right. Yeah. And I heard that, dude, and I was like, Dad... I have to hear Rat. I want more, you know. So he took me to the record store. I think that day, actually. And I got, um, let's see, out of the cellar. Yeah. And from then on, dude, I was fucking into Rat and Roll, man. And that's my story of Rat, you know. And then I kept going. And then I remember the next release I got was the 99 album, Rat, because that was new at the time. Okay. And that and that one, I was kind of like, you know. It didn't really yeah. hit me the way Out of the Cellar did. But then I just started going back, you know, and Invasion of the Privacy and Dancing Ooh. Undercover and, and blah, blah, blah. And then that's my story, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, they don't have that many albums. That's the thing. They're a band that you could kind of, 
you know, it's easy to collect dive. everything and hear everything. Well, you know, it's not like Motorhead yeah. where they got like twenty fucking albums. Right. Although I think you, you should still put in the work, of Motorhead. Oh my all those god, yeah. I've, it's yeah. worth I've it. I've got them all. Yeah. Um, I think, I think counting uh, Collage, I think they've got nine albums. Yeah, you know, and, then, and Collage yeah. does count as an album, right? Yeah, like that compilation. I would say so because it's all yeah. new stuff. Yeah, I like it a little bit better. I guess I would say my least favorite is the the self-titled one, and then maybe collage. But you know, they're all right. I don't listen to them much. But I've only gotten in. I guess I'll talk about my history with Rat, and then yeah, it's mine's <laughs> gonna be long. <laughs> yeah, that's good because I need to. I'll, I'll take a piss break and grab another beer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my history. For, I don't have much of a history with Rat actually. I only really got into them a couple years ago. I always had yeah. for a lo- mm. long time. I had the first two albums. And I had the EP, both on vinyl and a digital copy of the EP. And I had the first two albums, just nice. rips from the original like 80 CDs on mm-hmm. my on my computer. And that was pretty much it. I had like sampled their other stuff and just like, again, that's a thing. If you're just kind of doing a kind of a cursory kind of skimming of Rat, all their stuff kind of sounds kind of similar. And, and they don't, I just kind of felt like, okay, it sounds like they kind of peaked with the first two albums and I kind of let it go. And I just like, I caught up in other bands and you know, just kind of Rat just kind of, I guess I was just a semi-casual fan over the years. Right. And what happened, and my older brother never, they weren't one of the bands he was into. So a lot of the glam metal bands I liked, like Cinderella, Doc, and they were bands that my brother had listened to. So like, and for whatever reason, he wasn't into rap. Maybe because by the late 80s, which is when this is that period where my brother was getting me into music, they had already kind of started to not be so big by the late 80s. So Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons. But so... So, you know, they just weren't one of those bands, but I did like, you know, a couple of the hits. I loved Lay It Down. That was always, that was a jukebox song for me. I loved going to wood paneled bars and nice. Lay it <laughs> yeah, down. wood oh, panel, baby. <laughs> Knocking back my MGDs, you know, taking yeah. out biker bars and whatever the neon lights. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, there'd always be some old, tough looking biker guy who goes, yeah, fuck yeah, great song, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I'd get into it. And, you know, I love that. And then, you know, I loved back. You know, for more and a, a lot of stuff in the first album. So, you know, in in thinking, of, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Wrestler, Mickey Ward. Ooh, damn, oh, great fucking movie! Awesome movie, movie, yeah. Marissa Tomei, who's fucking hot in that movie. Oh, Ooh, total love When they yeah. start dancing the round and round, you know, yeah. And fuck Kurt Cobain. Oh, I love that scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so so I kind of associated rap with a lot of that stuff, and I liked it. And they were a fun band. But I didn't do the deep dive with them, really. And it was like about, it was during the Panama, you know, yeah. that's when I got time on my hands. So I decided, okay, fuck it. I'm going to, there was these remasters. You remember this because I was talking to you making real time when this was happening. Yeah, I, I remember this. Yeah. I remember I sent you pictures saying, hey, look, now I actually have all Rats albums. So yeah. I, I got all, the, I was like loading up on a lot of stuff during that period, you know, because we were locked down. Even in Florida, we were locked down for a couple months. So during that period, uh, I was loading up on a lot of stuff. And there were those new Rock Candy remasters. You know, yep. Doc and Happy nice. too. And so I got all the... Mo- I took all the Rock Master remasters from their 80s albums. And then I went, fuck it. I got the uh, the other couple albums they had too. The 90s stuff. Infestation, which is great. Woo! Love and that album. Comeback album. album. I agree with you 100%, Mick. They should have. That should have launched them off on 
into a whole new phase of music. Yeah. But, okay. And it could have, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was easily... The stadium tour, you know, should have fucking rat on it. Yeah. I fucking agree. Yeah, I think Infestation is, uh, I would say, their best album after this album. I, think. I agree. I yeah. Agree. Yep, I agree, too. Yeah, so uh, disappointing that they... <laughs> Wouldn't have launched off, but I guess uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that after we talk about this album. That's a little epilogue, but <laughs> but because I have some questions to ask you, Mick. Uh, but yeah, uh, sure. But but anyway, so that's when I kind of did the deep dive, and that's when this album really kind of emerged for me. You know, it was the album I liked the most of the albums I didn't own, and right. you know, so I just start listening to it a lot, and I just start listening to all their stuff, and I grew to really I like them, and I it's what you were saying, and also Ian Wadley used to always talk the praises of Rat and saying that he thought mm-hmm. they were, you know, like worse, like me and Eric were saying. And I think even you agree, Mick, that they're more consistent than Motley Crue overall. Yeah. Oh and yeah, definitely. I start to really appreciate them more, and you know, before you knew it, I kind of went. <coughs> A casual, I would say I'm a diehard fan, but I'm more than a casual fan. I'm somewhere in between. <laughs> I'm, like, gotcha, gotcha. I'm just a fan. I'm just a fan now, I guess. Just I a straight gotcha. up, just a rat fan. I'm into the rat and roll now. And this album has just really, like I said, in the past two years, it just keeps growing and growing. And it's definitely my go-to album. And we'll talk more about it when we talk about it. But right now, Eric, what's, what's your history with the band? Oh, man. I'm going to try not to go too fucking long and spread out throughout the episode when we talk about these songs. But, man, I have a long history with fucking Rat. I just, they're, of all, of like, the 80s, like, hair metal bands, they're easily my favorite. They are always in my top ten favorite bands of all time. I fucking just, I love Rat, man. You know, I had heard Round Round as a kid, and I always loved it. Because I got into heavy metal music and hard rock at a young age, you know, with Kiss when I was six years old. And it just grew from there. I just kept, you know, it opened the floodgates. I kept wanting to discover new bands, new bands. And Rat was one I always knew Round and Round. That was the only song I knew. But it wasn't until I saw Metal Mania on VH1 Classic. My dad had, you know, digital Comcast digital cable, so he had all those channels. Every time I went to his house for the weekend, I was always watching Mel Mania, and that's how I discovered so many bands. Well, they always showed Round and Round by Rat, but one day, they show this video, and I'm, like, waiting for them to show, like, the name of the video at the beginning, like, what your video is. Um, you know, they're playing like, a couple seconds of it, and it's, like, a kid's birthday party, and this clown, oh, yeah. and this and that. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I see the title. It's Rat. Lay it down. And they do like the little intro with the kid making the wish and whatnot, and the clown <laughs> doing the thing with his hat. And all of a sudden, you see these like, you know, you see Rat playing this fucking song, Stephen Piercy serenading this chick with this sexy ass fucking song. And I was hooked. I'm like, fuck, like this, this is it, man. I fucking love this song. Right after that, man, I think I had my dad take me to, to Tower Records and uh, so I could buy, uh, I either bought Invasion of Your Privacy or I bought, like, a Greatest Hits. Because I think I also wanted Round and Round as well. So right. it was one of the two, man, and I was just hooked. But, you know, it wasn't until high school that I really, really took a deep dive into Rat. High school, man, like, I started getting into, like, the hair metal. You know, when I was younger, it was hard rock, traditional metal. It was a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And high school, I got really into the hair metal. And then after high school is when I got more into, like, the thrash. Like, I took a deep dive in, like, more thrash metal and just heavier metal. And I kind of like a little bit of everything, man. 
but high school was all about the hair metal and the, right. the 80s metal. And it started with Motley Crue, because like I said, man, I loved Motley Crue. I saw their behind the music, I read the dirt, I heard the hits, and I heard Shot the Devil, and I thought, this band is fucking perfect. But as I did a deep dive, man, I went, you know, listen to Theater of Pain, Girls, Girls, Girls. I was really let down. I still wouldn't admit that I hated them like I do now, because now I'm not scared to just admit when I don't <laughs> like something. Yeah. But I wasn't. I was afraid to admit that I didn't like it. But man, if I put Motley Crue on shuffle on my iPod, I <coughs> skipped like literally every song except for like you know Wild Side and like anything off Shadow the Devil. Really? I started doing a deep dive into rap because I'm like, let me you know. I started getting into this rap band when I was younger. Let me dive deeper. And man, I could listen to Rat Man and I could just I didn't have to skip a damn song because it was just everything was great. Every album just I could listen to from start to finish. Right. And just Rat became the band I loved in high school. My friends got so annoyed because all I did was listen to Rat. Couldn't help talking about Rat. You know, I saw their Behind the Music too on VH1, and I just would watch that religiously on YouTube. Never got to fucking see them because, uh, you know, I remember when Inf Infestation was released, and I was so psyched about it coming out. Yep, it really blew me away, man. Uh, <coughs> all my expectations. Uh, unfortunately, you know, because Rat's not as big as Motley Crue, sadly, you know, I think they should be bigger than Motley Crue. And, uh, I agree. Or right on par, at least with them. Exactly. Which yeah. in the 80s, they were. They were right on par with each other. And that was oh, right. yeah. They were so good. And that, it, that's when yeah. the shift happened. But, right. man, because of that, they played a lot of bars. And be I was still underage. So I never got to see fucking Rat, man. And uh, I know Steve Piercy's playing in, like, Illinois which is like the closest gig he's playing to me since I live in Indiana now. Yeah, I may have to go see it, man, because I, I at least need to see Stephen Piercy. He's one of my heroes, man. I Same love Stephen Piercy, and I may need to see him, man, because I know he had a cancer scare a while back, and it's just like, right. you know, how much longer do we got with these and guys? And he's still, you know, and the thing that, you know, uh, with him, what kills me is, is uh, I, let's see, this morning he, like, uh, posted a picture, and he's fucking smoking, dude. And I'm like, you just got over cancer. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, oh, cigarettes man. down, Steve. For yeah. real. But man, I love, and I'm gonna send this. You know, he's on Instagram. He's actually pretty, like, you know, he'll, you like, you know, respond to comments and stuff. Yeah. He's active on social media, so man, I'm gonna send him this episode because I know we're not gonna have anything <laughs> like horrible to say about Rat. We may not like a song here or there, but like, we're we're gonna just sing the praises of Rat. So I'm gonna send right. this episode to him, man, because he's like one of my fucking heroes, man. Same so I'm, I'm definitely gonna try and see him because uh, I love to see like yeah, that's probably the closest I'll see the get to seeing Rat. Yeah, but, man, they're a very important band, and I guess we'll just dive into the album because you know there's probably some other things I'll talk about, which we'll talk about when we talk about the individual songs. So why don't you talk about the <coughs> first song, Dance? Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, well, let's see. It starts with track number one. It's kind of like a title track, I guess. Yeah, in a way, but it's called Dance. And just the way this song just hits you right off the bat with that riff, and then Steven starts that kind of the dance, 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 dance. It just, to me, it's a bad fucking tune, man. One of the best songs on the, you know, one of the best songs on it, honestly. I think it kicks off great. It has great riffs. It's got such a cool groove to it, you know, and I think a lot of the great rat and roll groove comes from a guy that doesn't really get talked about a lot it's bobby blotzer man i think bobby blotzer yeah is an excellent drummer he's got lots of cool swing you know he kind of reminds me in some ways of like that uh 
Peter Chris kind of style, that Stephen yeah. Adler kind of vibe, you know? Yeah. Maybe not as swingy and groovy as them. Not as flashy. Not as flashy, but but he does have a great groove, and I think that gave Rat a lot of their sound, you know? But just the song kicks off, and everybody's firing on all cylinders, dude. Stephen Piercy's voice has that cool rasp, and Warren's killing it, Robin's killing it, Juan Crucier's killing it. It's an excellent track, man. Hell yeah. Edwin, what do you think of Dance? Awesome song, awesome opening track, and the lead off single, and you can hear why it's a very catchy song. I like uh, I like metal songs that have dance for the title. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> something about it, man. It just works. Right. <laughs> Motorhead also yeah. has a song called Dance as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. dancing on your grave. Yeah, this, this is poppy, and like you said, it's kind of like a title track. I also like that too when a song isn't a title track, but yeah, but it's kind, kind of. of. But it is, yeah. yeah but, it is. <laughs> but it sets off uh, the tone and uh, the guitar work. I love that little opening, you know, that you know Robin and Warren are doing, and then it hits into the groove. And like Mick said, you know, such a great groove. That ri- rhythm section, though, you know, it's also though what's great about this album, especially in the remaster, but mm-hmm. is you actually hear Ron. I mean, Ron. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Was right? Ron Crochier. <laughs> For sheer, uh, he's. I've talked about him in that docking video I did back in the day because he was yeah. Dawkins' first bass. Yeah. He messaged he, me on Facebook like ye, like back in like uh, 2012, and I was like fangirled over. I was like, ah! <laughs> he is That's awesome. Cool. You know, it's I love great, him. All I can say, it's this great, not just glam metal, but kind of any metal. It's just kind of a special moment when you hear bass on an 80s metal album. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like you can actually hear him. It's not like overpowering, <laughs> but you can hear him in the mix on this album. This album, I think, has the best production of any Rat album. Production's punchy. Yeah. It's like slick and punchy and raw all all at the same time. Yeah, pretty much nailed it. Yeah. yeah, and I just I love the sound and you know you know that seventies groove, that's the thing too. The first thing I think of, and then there are some songs that I think this even more, which we'll get to, but they got that like late seventies Aerosmith groove. Like and of course oh, yeah. Aerosmith influenced all those bands, especially all the glam metal bands, but even some of the thrash bands and other kinds of metal throughout the eighties. Uh, they you know, were all people that loved fucking seventies uh, Aerosmith. And mm-hmm. but I think Rat actually emulates that groove better than any of these other bands. I think I they agree. really even better than Guns N' Roses too. Yeah, I do. Oh, I kill. Yeah, much better. I think especially because it sounds like it sounds like they listen to Night in the Ruts a lot. Like mm-hmm. it has yeah. that kind of Night in the Ruts groove. This album, it's more yeah. natural too. Whereas yeah. like I feel Guns N' Roses, it sounds like a band trying a little too hard to be Aerosmith, seventies Aerosmith. Whereas Rat, it's just more natural. It's just you can tell it's just their influence and. They're yeah. not trying. Well, you know, Guns N' Roses sound like they listen to some, like, the big songs, you know? And, they, and they're yeah. kind of emulating yeah. Sweet the Sweet emotion songs. and shit, yeah. Yeah, you know, whereas rap sounds like, like I said, like a Night in the Rucks kind of thing. Yeah, they're the cool kids listening to the deep cuts. <laughs> yeah, and this right, exactly. album has that whole vibe. It just, it's like, yeah. this whole album has that kind of cool deep cuts <laughs> vibe. It's also, it makes me think of also, like, albums like Point of Entry and Flick and Switch, where... Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, like I said about Rat in general, and this is why I think this is like the rattiest of all the Rat albums. <laughs> it's like if you like the first song, you're gonna like all ten of these songs because yeah. it just has a I groove that it's doesn't like stop. 
It's you like know? you were saying, Edwin, too, about how you said this is your uh, this has become your favorite Rad album. Yeah. I compare this album a lot with uh, Flick of the Switch, where it doesn't really have it doesn't have a round and round or you know uh, you're in love. Like it doesn't really mm-hmm. have like that that real hit single that everyone remembers. But it's just right. such a consistent album from top to be uh, from top to bottom that it's just you know it, it's like a flick of the switch or a power age. It doesn't have that standout single, but it's such a consistently good album where you can listen to everything from top to bottom. Yeah, yeah. it just has this groove. And one another thing, and you know, I, I know we're just talking about dance, but you know, when you talk about the first track, you end up kind of talking about the whole album. And yeah. <laughs> but the way about this production too that I like, it does that thing that the Mutt Lang ACDC albums did where the songs don't technically like, they don't like segue into <coughs> directly like on a concept album like Sgt. Pepper or like Dark Side of the, Moon, you know, of the Moon. Like they don't go into each other, but yet there's really no space between the songs either, if you know what no, I mean. No, there's not. Yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah. they just all have that same vibe with them yeah. where they just, they really flow together. Yeah, it's just like, Here's one, here's the next one, here's the next one, here's the next one. And it's like, yeah. if you listen to like Back in Black for those about to rock, Highway to Hell, it does a similar thing. It's just yeah. like, there's no space no space between the songs, but yet each song is like fully contained. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. And and it's punchy, and I, I love that. I wish more albums did that with how they sequence them, you know? And this yeah. album totally has that vibe and groove, and it just keeps the party going. And it's also, it's a short album, too. It's like only 30-something minutes long. I fucking right. love short albums. Yeah, Cut exactly. off too, man. Yeah. yeah, it's just lean and mean and nasty, and, and yeah. we're just warming up. Dance isn't even, uh, you know, there's about, I don't know, about four song, four or five songs I like even better. And this yeah. song's... And this song kicks ass, so it's a good way. It also was featured on an episode of Miami Vice, and I'm a Ooh. big Miami Vice guy. Love I, love Miami I know Vice. that. Yeah, there was a scene where uh, Crockett and Tubbs were chasing some, you know, drug-dealing scumbag through a club somewhere. <laughs> there was sexy girls dancing, and this song yeah. was playing. So you can imagine whatever you're thinking is exactly how the scene went down. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, yeah, it's that vibe. <laughs> fucking 1986, man. It was a yeah. party. Even fucking oh, yeah. being a cop and man, party in 1986. And <laughs> when you ran through a club. Imagine the shit music you had to... A, a Miami cop would have to hear now when he was running through a club. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> There's some Tommy Lee, like, DJing bullshit. Like, yeah. all right. <laughs> fucking EDM. Yeah, house music. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So, and uh, another song later on that we'll talk about also was a soundtrack cue for something else. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah oh so, yeah. So, but to me, that's like it doesn't get more mid '80s legit than being used in Miami Vice. So there yeah. you go. I mean, that's pretty much it, dude. Yeah, that's yeah. rat dance. Rat dance was used in Miami Vice. So anyway, Eric, what do you think of this awesome fucking song? <laughs> oh man, I love it, dude. It's just it's such a catchy song. Uh, I know a lot of people say, too, that Dancing Undercover was kind of the album where they kind of lost interest in Rat, and this is, like, where the downfall began. Yeah. And, you know, listening to the chorus, I can understand people that were fans of Out of the Cellar maybe find it a little annoying or cheesy, but, man, I just fucking love it, dude. It's catchy, you know, it's just so fun. It's a great song, and I love the fucking video. I watched the video today. Like I always do, anytime I review an album, I watch the music videos, and I yeah. love the fucking video. It's so much fun. You know, you start off there at a club, you know, and there's this guy on stage. He looks like the love child of, like, fucking Orbel Renbacher and Harry Carey. Yeah. 
He's on stage, yeah. like, introducing the band, and he's like, oh, and out here we got, you know, a couple guys that got their start here at this club, and they show Rad out there with their girlfriends. I think Robin Crosby's real-life uh, girlfriend was in the video as well. And they come out on stage, and they play, and you just got all these, like, funny characters, man. You got the fucking big fat guy, uh, bald, eating popcorn, and you think he's wearing, like, a pine <laughs> shirt. You got the goth girl reading the Anne Rice book, and... Yeah. You know, the dirty dancing people, and the, it's just so much fun. I just love all the characters. You see a lot of hot chicks, too, man, because hot chicks <laughs> love Rat, baby. Mm, and then you yeah. got, like, a bunch of cool, like, old-school footage, because Rat did that a lot in their videos. They had a lot of cool, like, black yeah, and black white, and white. from movies. Uh, like, they had, like, g- scenes from, like, Jailhouse Rock and all this cool stuff in there. It's oh. just a fucking fun video, man, and... The video, you know, if you don't really like the song that much or you're kind of like, eh, like you're kind of in the middle about watch that video. It's a fun video. It'll probably make you like the song even more. I love this song. It's a great way to start. And I, I love that it's kind of like a title track that's not really a title track, you know. I think even, too, when I had band high school, I actually tried writing a song called Dancing Undercover. Never came to fruition. Uh, but, yeah, I just I love this tune, man. What a great way to start this album off. And, uh, Mick, why don't you talk about One Good Lover? One Good Lover! Honestly, to me, right off the bat, I think this is one of the best songs on the album. It just kind of kicks into this kind of just real kind of gritty, sleazy vibe. And I think this song, you know, like Dance is Cool, it's a great song. It's got a very kind of poppy chorus and feel. But I think this song really kicks in the tone and the feel of this, you know. And, uh, you know, compared to the last two, um, uh, releases, um, Seller and Privacy. I think this one's kind of got more of a kind of a darker, grittier kind of street vibe, you know? Yeah. And I think that really yep. kicks in with this. You know, like this album just seems more sleazy, you know, and darker and gritty. And, you know, the album cover fits it perfectly with the more black and it doesn't have a hot chick on it, but it's all of them looking cool and Stephen yeah. Pierce smoking his cigarette, you know? Yep. Uh, but this song just kind of fits that vibe, you know, and uh, you know, one of the things that you were saying, Eddie, about them, you know, is they're very much influenced by like the 70s Aerosmith, you know, yeah. and they are. But what makes them kind of uh, a little different is that they take that influence. And, you know, I can hear lots of Judas Priest and Rat. I don't know if you all can. Oh, yeah, I can. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 There's lots of uh, British heavy metal in Rat. And this song kind of has that vibe. It kind of reminds me of something that, you know, you would hear from the new wave of British heavy metal mixed in with the L.A. glam scene. But yeah, and I love, love yeah. like, how big like they had a little bit of yeah. hooks and they had some hooks and melodies to it, you know? Yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah, I think this is one of the best songs on the album. I just love uh, uh, Stephen Piercy's kind of snarl and kind of rasp in the verses yeah. when he's singing. You know, she's got the hooks that makes you say, you know. Just so fucking cool. I love this track, man. Oh, dude, it's a fucking catchy song. Like, I, I love it, like, Stephen Piercy doing those yeahs, you know, yeah. like, all throughout the song. And, man, he's got a great voice, man. It's he unique. And you know, there's a reason you don't <laughs> see a lot of rat tribute bands out there because, like, man, his, his voice, well, yeah, he's not technically the greatest singer. It's hard to emulate that style, man. It's hard to do yeah. Stephen Piercy justice when you're trying to cover a rat song. He's just got so much, like, attitude and snarl in his voice, you know, and uh, he's singing, in this song, he's singing about some sexy-ass woman, you know, and just, 
that's what I love about rap, man. It's just their music. It reminds me of just, you know, being at being a young kid, you know, and all you care about is heavy metal and fucking chicks, man. You yeah. know, and, uh, oh, man, you ever seen Steam Piercy's current girlfriend, too, on Instagram? She is fucking she's, hot. Yeah, she's pretty hot, dude. Oh, man, Miss Truth or Dare, dude. She's a yeah. babe. And, and good for Stephen Piercy, man. He's, I was going to say, because like he's, he's doing pretty good, man. Yeah, you know, he's what, like, maybe his late 60s now? Yeah. You know? he's, he's pulling like, some girl that's probably somewhere in her 30s. Yeah, and she's hot as fuck. He looks like he's living at pre. He looks like he has a pretty nice place, man. And uh, man, just what a great fucking he deserves it, man. He He does all the amazing music he's written and sang for (coughs) that just made my teenage years so amazing. He fucking deserves it, right? Evan, what do you think about one good lover? One damn good song. I love. Yeah. Yeah. I would say this is probably looking at it. I'd say this is like my fourth favorite song on the album. It's right. nice. Yeah, it's nice. awesome. A lot of what Nick Mick said is how I feel about it. I agree. I love dance. The dance is awesome, but it is a little poppier than the rest of the album. I right. feel like One Good Lover is the al- song that really sets the tone. Like mm-hmm. this is it. This is the darker groove. Of right. course, everything you guys said about Steven's voice, which you can say about all the songs, he's got this perfect little snarl. That's kind of like somewhere he's got like the Steven Tyler rasp with the Rob Halford like shriek and you kind of mix them together and you got his vocals. And I mean, how awesome does that sound? And and it just the guitar tone in like during the verses, like it has a kind of (coughs) this is the thing, too, that's really cool about this album. And again, I, I feel like they got from Aerosmith is they know how to get kind of bluesy without it being kind of like cornball. Yeah, like, yeah, like it doesn't. They again, know, it doesn't sound forced. You yeah, know, they, it doesn't sound like these bands right. like, oh, we're trying to be bluesy now. We're trying to get right. to our roots. Yeah, it's just they, natural. Lots of the '80s uh, glam bands did like in the late in '80s. The late or the '80s. 90s. Yeah, or right. like everybody's got a fucking slide. You know. Yeah, no I don't mom, hear that yeah. shitty Mick Mars slide. Yeah, no, no bad boy <laughs> boogie here. No, <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> and that's it. That, but yet, but yet, there is a kind of a deeper, darker, and that's the kind of blues. Even like the kind of blues I like. I I, I love like going back to like Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf. Right. And that's just dark. It, there's a darkness yeah. to it. It's yeah. almost like yeah. a oh, dirtiness to it. Yeah. It's the blues for, you know, I mean, like, yeah. it's the blues because people that wrote it were fucking depressed and sad. Yeah. They had the blues. They were dirt poor. They had nothing. Yeah. And they right. were, like, bad motherfuckers. They started fights and fucked women and right. sold their souls to the devil and shit like that. Like, right. this, this, that, and that's the kind of stuff they influence bands like the Stones and Aerosmith. And Rat's taking a cue from that. Like, so to me, there's a bluesiness, but not in an obvious kind of cornball, 12-bar blues kind of way. Right, but just right. in terms of the feel. The feel mm-hmm. that there's just this dark, grimy, bluesy feel to it that I fucking love. And you have it throughout the whole album. And that just, that course. Also, there's, and this is the thing, too, that Rat always had from the beginning. And then especially on the album right before this invasion, you know, of your privacy is... There's a little bit of a bubblegum quality. Now, even yeah. on this album, in the sense that the songs are all short, they're all real short, mm-hmm. they have really catchy choruses, and they're simple, but they're kind of like deceptively simple. It's the thing about like the Ramones. Like, people would listen to the Ramones and go, oh, well, that's just simple. It's a couple chords, you know? And it's just like, well, if it's that simple, why why don't most bands sound like the Ramones? You can't do it. Yeah. And you can't sound like right. Joey, Joey Ramone. There's a very unique sound. The way that they can make such a simple song sound so interesting and catchy and melodic 
that's that's a skill. Not everyone could pick up a good, you know, like put together a song that has a few chords and and follows this formula and makes it sound so catchy. And Rat has that quality. They can just yeah. take like, three minutes here, and it's just so catchy. And like you also said, Eric, it's like no one really sounds like Rat. No one sounds like no. Stephen Piercy. No, because one. it's not that easy. It's not that easy, even though no. it's. They're not a complex band. You don't listen to this and think they're like Queensryche or Iron Maiden, you know? Yeah. But But there's a deceptive, like, uh, complexity to it. That It's not something that everyone can pull off. There is a craftsmanship right. to this band and to these songs. And That's how it. it's kind of like Motorhead, too. Like, the way that they can do variations of the same thing again and again and again. But you keep wanting to hear it because it's so right. catchy. And rats like that. Rats a band like that. They could just keep making the shit sound catchy as fuck. Right. And so, fresh. Yeah. You know, and exactly. fresh. Not, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I was thinking that too. It's like Motorhead and ACDC. It's like you listen to this and you're like, how can they make a song that sounds like like thirty other songs they've done, but yet it sounds like the song. Like yeah. at the moment yeah. you're listening to it. Lots it, of personality. it takes talent to fucking do that, man. That's yeah, just it good songwriting. Yeah, it Absolutely. just pops. But yeah, I love this song. Great song. One good lover. And Mick, what do you think of Drive Me Crazy? Drive <laughs> Me Crazy. I mean, shit, Drive Me Crazy. Uh, this song. I mean, kind of pretty much mirror what we said about the last one. You know, it's just another badass rat and roll tune. You know, it's just another kind of upbeat rocker. You know, it's uh, you know, it's darker. It's grittier. It's, it, it's a little, you know, this album just drips with a certain kind of Hollywood sleaze, you know, and I love that aspect, you know, and really I think that uh, this one kind of has a little bit more of that sleaze in any of the rap records, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, this it's got a great chorus to drive me crazy, oh yeah, and Stephen Piercy to me, he's one of the kings of the coolest, like, oh yeah, you know, he's just, oh yeah, like his fucking vibe to me makes this band i mean i love rat i love all of the players they're all all of them were great writers you know like like um even you look at some of the best songs and uh bobby blosser's got a writing credit on it but if they had really? a le- yeah oh yeah for sure yeah. he actually just stopped by at my house he was asking for rent money again i'm like bobby like you got <laughs> like i can't oh, pay you rent money bro <laughs> right come on bobby get on down the line get, come on but yeah, I think yeah. Bobby though got the song credit for this one because of kind of the ending, because the ending does that kind of crazy tribal thing at right. the end, gets really heavy with the drums and they start chanting. So. Uh, could be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because this song was written by Stephen Piercy, Robin Crosby, Warren, and Bobby Blotzer. So yeah, damn, Juan Crucier didn't even get a credit on this. He, Holy shit, he he didn't. But yeah, man, this is a great song, dude, and it's just that's pretty much all, all I got. I mean, it's. You know, I agree. Uh, yeah, we're gonna repeat each other a lot <laughs> on this one because yeah, of that I mean, consistency. That's it's good shit, dude. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. good. Yeah, I thought one thing about the cover that you brought up a few times. Uh, yeah, at first that was one thing I remember thinking is obviously, you know, I got it. Invasion of Your Privacy is their greatest album cover. I mean, hell yeah, and man. I, I, that and chick I is hot. Is, that it's, chick is the hottest of all the. She's in the Lay It Down yeah. video too, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was a playmate. She was a playmate. She was in the laid down video. 
Um, yep. So there's a meme going around that shows some old fat woman and says it's her. It's not. Actually, I found out that was bullshit. I mean, she's. I've seen real pictures. She's a little rough around the edges. Right. Uh, but she's still pretty decent looking. Yeah, she just looks like an old I'd hog. probably still lay it down with Oh, me. I would <laughs> still lay it down on that chick, man. <laughs> In the fucking 80s, she was like somewhere. I don't know. She was like Margot Robbie meets Sharon Stone. She was fucking hot. Oh, my God. Good yeah. description, yeah. yeah. She was really hot. And this that cover. That Invasion of Your Privacy cover is one of my all-time favorite album covers. It's just oh, wow. Same love, here, dude. Same the, the, here. The, the purple hue and just... Right. The, and it's, it's it's one of those albums, kind of like um, another one of my favorites, Animal Magnetism, uh, Scorpions. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's really dirty without really... There's nothing overtly dirty about it. Like, like right. it's, just, it's because of the title coupled with the image. Right. Um, it's just because she's in a room by herself that it... Turns you into a voyeur because of voyeurism. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Oh, voyeur, one of my favorite Lizzie Bourne songs too. By the great way, great song, great song. So it makes you feel like you become the person that's invading her privacy. So it's yeah. ingenious. Yeah. Hey, you should know by now. I would tap that ass. Amazing. <laughs> you but, should know by now. Right between the eyes, more like right between them legs. Got right it. between them thighs. Rap <laughs> should have kept on making albums. Every two years, we should have a rat album, and then they could have had a song. They would have eventually had a song called Tap That Ass. I love to hear Rat do like a, a joke like parody song like a Steel Panther and do like uh like tap that ass. Yeah. <laughs> you just know Steven would just make it that sounds so cool saying yeah. 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 on a tap, tap that ass. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I like literally like that that woman's like probably like sixty years old now, but I would still have sex with her just to say I had sex with a girl on a rat album cover. Yeah, I'm right there with you, dude. Sloppy yeah. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, uh, but anyway, so so as much so no album cover could ever compare with that album cover. Yeah. yeah. In, in a way, and at first I used to kind of think this was this was kind of a boring album cover. I mean, yeah, the band looked cool, but I was like, come on, this ain't like the first two album covers. And but now now I really appreciate it. And yeah, it, it's. Definitely, I would say their third best album cover. But I, yeah. I get what they were doing. It's just like, hey, we, we can't outdo Invasion of Your Privacy. We can't right. get a hotter chick. And what we got to just do, mm-hmm. just keep getting this hot chick in different positions and stuff. At a certain yeah. point, you'll become Spinal Tap. It'll become right. like a chick. Yeah. So and the bat cover, yeah. the bat cover, if I remember correctly, <laughs> was like, uh, it was like a, it was kind of like a silhouette of a woman or something with her lips and whatnot. So yeah, was, yep. yeah. They're still kind of keeping with the theme of the hot chick, but they're changing it up, you know? Right. Yeah, I get now I appreciate it, though. It's just like, right. you know, fuck it. Hey, this is cool music. We're cool-looking dudes. We we don't need that shit. We shouldn't need that shit, you know? And yeah. it's a gro- it's black and yeah. white. You know, it's got this grimy black and white feel. You don't want to be a parody of yourself, you know? Exactly. No, not at all. It's, it was a, it, I'd say it was kind of a, a, a classy move on Rat's part. A classy move for a sle- yeah. sleazy album. And but, it looks like, with the sleaze, you know, it looks like it's got, like, lines of cocaine on the front if you look at it. it. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude, I love yeah. it. Yeah. I, man, back in the day, man, I loved me some fucking cocaine, baby. Yeah. Cocaine! Cocaine still rules, but I just, I, I can't afford it, and I, I got, like, a, a life now that, like, I really can't afford to do that anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Rat is such a great Coke band, though. When you oh, they do. are, dude. They're probably think... the epitome of cocaine. Yeah, like, they're well, doing dude. a lot of blow. Next I was to David some fucking Rat and, like, Sabbath Volume 4. And for whatever reason, Fleetwood Mac, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, they all love cocaine. 
Oh, they're a great Coke. They're a great Coke a fan. <laughs> Gold Dust Woman, the whole Tusk album. Yeah, great Coke. I don't want to know. <laughs> that was always my number one Coke song, though. But there's something about Rat's music, the vibe of the music, that just screams cocaine to me. Just yeah, cocaine and hot chicks. Yeah, yep. it's just like where, where you're top of the world. You're like you're king of the bar. You're riding high. You did some coke in the you know bathroom. Off the back of the right. toilet. Yeah, <laughs> and, and now it's party time, man. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so what, what's all everyone? Okay, oh yeah, drive me crazy. It's a great locker kind of heavy. Not like my favorite. It's a good track, song, but, but yeah, it's, it's a awesome. Good, fucking great song. Uh, it happens to be in between two songs I, I like better, but still, it's a great song. It's killer, yeah. killer, killer, filler, in my opinion. What do you think, Eric? Oh man, I mean, there's really not much else I can add to it. Like you guys said. Um, it's just a nice, like, real sexy riff, and I mean, man, yes. Robin and uh, Robin and Warren, man, just two amazing guitar players, and they could write some just great riffs. That's one thing about Rat's music I love is just you know the riffs those guys can come up with, and they're just yeah. so sexy, like you know they just put you in that fucking <coughs> mood, man. Um, Party this food. one. This one is it's a great song. It's maybe one of my least favorite songs on the album, but still great, man. It's like saying, you know, this is the least favorite blowjob I ever came to, you know, because uh, it gets a little repetitive, you know, the drive me crazy part. But, man, what a great song, though, still an amazing solo. And I think Robin Crosby does do the solo on this. If I'm not Ooh. if I don't stand corrected, I think he did the solo on this. And I love Good Robin deal. Crosby, man. I I it's so sad what happened to him, man, because I, yeah. I know he always felt, like, overshadowed by uh, by Warren, and that's one of the big things that led to, like, his his drug problem and what ultimately yeah. killed him. You know, but, I, mean, really he was, I mean, he was the king, though, dude. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because he was, as... like, well, the thing was, he was their leader. He was, like, kind yeah. of the band leader, and when Warren came into the band, you know, he, was, he became the guitar god, and... I know, like, right. that real. you even hear in, like, interviews, like, it really, like, kind of got to him that, like, he was yeah. kind of the number one guy, and then he got overshadowed by Warren, and he always just, he, he always felt kind of shitty about that, like, how right. he's kind of the leader, and then this other guy comes in who's amazing and just kind of overshadowed him, and right. god damn, just what, it, it really, that always just breaks my heart with what happened with Robin, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've been there in my life where, you know, I felt kind of down in the dumps, and, you know, I've, I've had hard times in my life that were kind of brought on by myself, you know, it's, it just breaks my fucking heart with Robin. Yeah, yeah because, dude, he, you know, like, you think about it, man, he had it fucking all, dude, selling out arenas, the hottest And he was face. a, no homo, you know? he was a good-looking guy, and he was, dude, yeah. he was that tall, blonde, good-looking dude, man, he was a great guitar player, always had the, I remember, he, I loved how he always had the rose on his guitar, because, yeah. like, he's like, the chicks will probably dig it, man, you know, I always love that quote by him. Yeah. You know, and he always, he's a big reason why I love Jackson Guitars. Jackson Guitars will always be my favorite guitar because of Robin Crosby. I, you know, rest in peace, man. He was just such a great guy, and just sadly, he uh, really, really let the whole thing of Warren kind of overshadowing him get to him, and just sadly, it caused, you know, issues in his life, man. It just, it breaks my fucking heart, man. He yeah. should still fucking be here on this planet. Oh, yeah. Um, if he was alive, I think Rat would be on stage still. You know, I think so too, man. I think his death kind. Of, I mean, they like went on and did like some great stuff afterwards. But I think, you know, I mean, for like Stephen Piercy especially, I think his death just kind of sealed the fucking deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you know, Rat kind of pretty much died with him. 
know. Yeah, because they even though like the you know, and obviously when they did Infestation, man, that was a great album, but they just Amazing. never really got back to that level, man. You know, and uh, they there, could. There's been, this girl I used to know that I used to talk to back in the day in high school, and she hated she hated Stephen Piercy and Warren D. Martin. She's like, oh, they killed him. You know, they. You know, because they stopped, like, you know, helping him out and this and that. And I'm like, listen, you know, I love Robin Crosby, man. But he got to a point, man, when I've sadly had friends who are heroin addicts. It gets to a point you can't help them anymore. Like, there's nothing you can do. And it starts to hurt you and drag you down. Exactly. And I'm like, there's nothing they could have done to help, you know, Robin at that point, you know. So you can't blame, you can't be mad at Steven. You can't be mad at Warren and Juan. You know, you can't be mad at them for what happened to Robin. That was, he he sadly brought on himself, you know, I miss him to death. But you can't blame that on the other guys. Rest in peace, Robin Crosby, man. I I wish you were still here making killer fucking tunes. Mm Mm-hmm. Man, Mick, what do you think of the the single off the album? One of the singles off the album, Slip of the Lip. Oh, Slip of the Lip. I like the way you move your hips. Now, like yeah. earlier, earlier, Eddie talked about how the songs kind of, uh, you know, flow into each other. Yeah. Uh, well, like the end of uh, Drive Me Crazy goes right into that fucking stomping, kick-ass, yep. amazing riff of Slip of the Lip. I think this is one of the coolest, most sexiest riffs of all fucking time, dude. I mean, you got Rock Candy by Montrose. Great, sexy riff. Then you got this fucking... Dude, amazing. Maybe, man, I mean, to me, of the best tracks on here, this is... I might be tied at number one for two songs, but this is definitely one of the... One of the best tracks on the whole fucking album, dude. It's just got a this cool sleazy lyrics. That that I mean, I could say it about every song, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it's just got a cool dripping with Hollywood sleaze and just cool rock star arrogance, you know. It's yep. yeah, and the lyrics are talking about kind of you know this like underage chick, you know, which that kind of adds to the sleaziness and the provocativity of it. It's just a great fucking song, and I believe let's see on this song um, is the lead Robin. Or is this Warren? I can't remember. I'm not sure. I think it's I think it's Warren because Warren, in the okay. video, Warren's, the video, Warren's doing it. the solo. Yeah, probably. I'm is. pretty and, sure it's him. And he's the writer on it along with Juan and uh, Piercy. Okay. Uh, okay, let me uh, take this song now. I likewise love this. Really love it. It's, I'd say, easily my second favorite song on the album. I have a clear one. Uh, favorite, but this is definitely my second favorite song on the album. It is so fucking badass. That groove, just like Mick said, it comes in that riff. It's and it's funky again. This is this is actually where that Aerosmith side really starts coming in, where they're both hard rocking and funky at the same time. Like this yeah, just mm-hmm. has a funky kind of groove, and it's just there's a swagger, there's a street swagger. You can't listen to this and not picture like strutting down a street at night, you know? Yeah, right, right. It, perfect, perfect. It's just it's it's sexy, it's funky, it's hard rocking all at the same time. This is a groove, and like I said again, I don't want to be always trashing Motley Crue, especially with Mick here. But like when I said <laughs> that they sounded like they just didn't have the same soul and groove is Aerosmith, you know? But Rat does. I think Rat yeah. has that groove. They can make oh, totally, it swing. Totally. They just got that groove. I bob my head to this. And it's like, it's, it's the way Steven like just spits out the lyrics in the chorus. It's jivey, you know? And that same way Steven yep. Tyler was jivey. It's just like right. street jive. And I love it. I actually, I don't, I guess this was like, what, the third 
single? It was the third video release? I think there was two... I think there was technically two singles. It was this and Body Talk. I think this was the first single, though. But was it Dance? Dance Head was a... Oh, Dance Head, uh... Yeah, yeah I, no, Dan- I, I forgot about I, Dance. Yeah, Dance Head video, dance and that was a single. Talk, I still- and then was it the second or the video. first? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I don't think... I think there's a song here that totally should have been a single and had a video that they didn't do. So... But, but I get but this is a catchy song. I get it. I don't think it was going to be a hit, ever had a chance of being a hit. It's a little too cool. Sadly. Yeah, for uh, the MTV scene. But still, it's a great song, very catchy, and easily my second favorite song on the album, and one of my yep. favorite, definitely a top 10 rat song for me. I love Same here. Yeah, I love Slip of the Lip. What do you think of it, Air? Oh, man, best song on the fucking album. I oh, love yeah. and adore this fucking song. Um, it just, it's so catchy, man. It's just that riff is amazing. You know, like I said, man, all, all throughout this episode, you're just going to hear me talking about, oh, that's a great riff. That's a great right. riff. It's just amazing, real sexy. And I love Stephen Piercy's delivery of those lyrics, man. You know, he's talking about that chick, man. And it's just like, you know, me being in high school, there's so <coughs> many chicks, man, that like this song related to. You know, like so many chicks that like I had my eye on that I was chasing after, and this is like that song, man. That just make me think about them. You know, I fucking just love this song. It should have should have been a bigger hit than it was. You know, yeah. let me tell you something. If Wildside, if they wrote Wildside and that was on this album, because uh, this album and like uh, Girls, Girls, Girls were kind of close together. I think Girls was a seven or yeah, six. I'm not sure. Yeah, and this, and is, this one this was is, It's right in between theater and girls. Yeah, girls. girls. Yeah. So, yeah. man, if if Rat put out Wild Side, they would be the bigger band than Motley yeah. Crue. You know, I love this song though. This should have been a bigger hit, and uh, I love the video. I think this is one of my all-time favorite videos ever. Um, it's just so cool, man. You see the Fujilam on stage, and just it. It just makes you think of like those 80s. Like I never lived through that decade and never got to see those kind of things because I was born in 93. But just seeing them on that big ass stage, all those lights, you have like Bobby Blotzer having like the keg of beer or not oh, the yeah. keg, uh, six pack of beer being pack. delivered down to him from the Raptors. Stephen Piercy like on top of like the, the lighting rig, which is just awesome. And then you have the shots of them like backstage with all these chicks and them on Bourbon Street, which is cool. I love this fucking video, man, and I love Steve Pierce's hairstyle. He always had that cool hairstyle where he had, like, part of his head, like, shaved or, like, cut short. Yeah, and I remember yeah. I always wanted that hairstyle, and my mom wouldn't let me do it. My mom let me grow my hair out long, but she wouldn't let me do that one hairstyle, like Steve Piercy, because I always wanted that hair, that hairstyle. Um, and his man, left just, eye, it was kind of, like, uh, had hair on it. His, like, left eye always had, like, a... Big lump of hair over it, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's literally yeah. like he just basically like cut like the one side. It was almost like a like kind of like the Jason Newsted hairstyle, but different. It was like right, he basically right. like cut one part of his head like short, but the rest of it was long. It just I always thought it looked fucking cool, man. Yeah, oh, I did. Yeah. Dude. yeah, and one thing about this video too, <laughs> if if you go ahead, if you want to pause this episode and watch the video at the three the three minute seven second mark. There's a girl in the crowd. I literally fucked a girl that looked just like that girl in my senior year of high school. This girl named Brianna. This brunette fucking 
like brown like brown eyed brace face fucking chick i fucked a girl like her in my senior year and it was awesome and she looked just like that girl at that 307 mark of the music video I'm check it, it fucking out <laughs> <laughs> man fucking slip of the lip baby i love it and you know i love to has that james bond type opening with this message will self-destruct we need yeah. pictures of this band it's a cool fucking video. Great song, man. I love it. If, if I remember, um, wasn't it like some reporter like following around trying to get his picture and then he makes out with her at the end? Like, wasn't that? Yeah, like, he steals the film from up. the camera and destroys it and he winks at the camera. It's like, yeah, Stephen Piercy, you rule, man. Yeah, also, one thing, uh, this would be a good time to bring this up. I think I read this somewhere. Didn't he pose for Playgirl? I don't yeah, Stephen Piercy posed for Playgirl. And he didn't no, like shows. Like, I'm not gay at all. Like, I have nothing against You've Stephen looked at it. I looked up the pictures. I don't, I just, he didn't I, show I don't know. Dick. Do you see his dong? I don't think he saw his dick, though, right? He just showed his ass, and he was in a thong. Yeah, that's yeah. That's I don't. Like, yeah, that's I don't like want to see a it. little bit of a, a Van Damme shit. That's all. Right. It's one of those things Even like I'm not gay, but I had to look at it just because. Oh, like, I get you. He's like my hero, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I had like like yeah. I'm more curiosity. And then you had to jerk off <laughs> just out of respect. <laughs> right. It's Stephen Piercy. I gotta. You know. No homo. It's just you know he's so <laughs> right. cool. He's he so cool. wasn't packing oh. much, man. I will say that like. From judging from the image, like it may have been a cold day, but he wasn't packing much. But like, hey, he's fucking Stephen Piercy, so who gives a fuck? Hey, right, like you said, the haircut, he looks a little like a kind of maybe not pretty, but cute new wave chick. Yeah, yeah honestly, yeah. honestly, yeah. very much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so like, is he is he of Spanish descent? Italian? What is Stephen Piercy? I'm guessing. I think he's, he's Italian. Yeah, I'm guessing Indian. He's Italian. I'm guessing. Yeah, right, right. I'm guessing he's Italian. I read his right. autobiography. I read uh, his book, um, but it's, it was a while ago. I gotta reread it again. But uh, right. it yeah. probably would say in that book if I re- reread it. Right. You know, but I think he's right. of Italian descent. He's like Indian, Italian. Something. He might be a mix. I mean, but it's like Aerosmith, and obviously he's a big. You know, had a big influence. You know, another Stephen who was an Italian. Right, Stephen Tyler, yeah. and, and Joe Perry was half Italian, half uh, I forget South American, some kind of uh, oh wow, really? Latino. Yeah, I can see that mix. in him. Yeah, yeah, Joe Perry's uh, mixed Latino Italian, but you know, so yeah, Stephen might be. Yeah, you know, uh, Steve Perry, I didn't know he was. Uh, he's um, he's Latino. From, really? Uh, I didn't know. Well, Vince Neil too is yeah. like uh, like yeah. Mexican too. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, and he's from yeah. Compton. Yeah, yeah. So he was, uh, yeah, he was straight out Compton, baby. Yeah, yeah Stephen. Steven, to me, looks like he could be uh, either Italian or Latino. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, he's, he's yeah. definitely not uh, a wasp. Yeah. And before we go on to the next song, man, I gotta say, you know, there are a lot of people that talk about Stephen Piercy being a lifeless frontman. Oh, shit. And I do agree, he's not much of a frontman now, but you gotta think he has a lot of health issues. Right. I know he has serious knee problems, too. There's, like, a video, too, of him, like, falling off of, uh, he, like, fell off the stage and, like, fucked up his knee really bad. I and just kind of stayed with him. For like a long time but man you watch some of these old videos man he was a hell of a front man you know it's, he's not david lee roth but i mean no one can be no. david lee roth but he was pretty fucking entertaining man you got some cool stage moves he was real entertaining man you know yeah fuck all those you know monday morning quarterbacks that oh he's not a great front man watch some of these old videos man he was a great front man he had a lot of fucking energy well, right, sometimes right. it's just about the fucking music, you know? Like, yeah. fucking, fucking Joey Ramone just stood there and just sang in the mic, but they were the fucking Ramones. They sounded great. Yeah, like, the fucking Ramones, baby. 
Yeah, the rap sound, you know, listen to the fucking music. You know, it's not all just, yeah, maybe Brett Michael dance around a little bit more and twirls his <laughs> mic. But, you know, fucking rap destroys poison. So who yeah, gives a shit if the singer yeah, shit all destroys? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't care if the singer dance too. doesn't dance around the stage enough, you know? Yeah, I read a review on this fucking album, too, about like, oh, at this time, poison was opening for rat. But it was yeah. very obvious uh, Poison was overtaking the popularity. And it's like, man, fuck you. Poison can't write a fucking song like Slip of a Fucking Lip. I'll take nope. the worst fucking rat song over a fucking Poison's best song. Give me a fucking break. Well, and that's Not that's great. a good segue into the next song. Cause yeah, wait. It's definitely a song Poison could never write. <laughs> yeah, Mick. Never. Before, before I let you talk about body talk, just remember, sure. only a man whose heart is pure can wield the knife. And only a man whose ass is <laughs> narrow can get down these steps. There you go. Duly noted. <laughs> I'd throw a Golden Child reference in there. There you go. Nice. That's right. This song nice. was featured in The Golden Child. There you go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what do you think of Body Talk? Body Talk! Uh, best song on the album. Ooh. It, yes, yes. To me, best song on the album. This is fucking... Straight up, just like a heavy metal rap. You know what I mean? If anything from this point, because we've talked about how, how this album that's going to cover is kind of a little bit darker and grittier in tone and sleaze and everything. I wish Rat would have took in this style and progressed with this on the next album. You know, yeah. the next release, they went a little poppier. They started to chase that like MTV audience and vibe, which I mean, they probably didn't really have much of a choice. But I wish Rat could have taken the ball from Body Talk and ran with it. Because I think Rat could have done some awesome fucking music in this style and a heavier vibe. And I love it. I love Steven's vocals delivery. And Warren, at the end of the song, as it's fading out, I think that's some of Warren's best fucking licks. Some of best Warren's best lead work in the whole Rat catalog, man. It's such a good song, dude. I mean, Body Talk, my favorite track on the album, straight up heavy metal. There's nothing glam about this. Um, about this. There's nothing pop metal or hair metal about it. This is straight up rat and roll heavy metal. You agree 100%. I love it. Of course, how could you not love Body Talk? It's, oh, yeah. my, it's my third favorite song on the album. A strong oh, third. Wow. Strong third. Slip of the Lips my second favorite. Body Talk's my third. That's right. Some deep track on the side two is my favorite song. So there ooh, you go. Ooh, I can't wait. Very interesting. So, some intrigue there. But yeah, right. but I can't fault someone for saying Body Talk's their favorite song on this album. Oh, yeah. It's nice. fucking awesome. <laughs> it's obviously, I would say this is probably the heaviest. I would say the darkest rat song. I wouldn't call it the darkest. But no. it's yeah. definitely the heaviest. It's fast and heavy. And, uh, yeah, just, it's funny because every time, for a while there, I'm kind of used to it now, but like I said, I'm a little newer to this album than you guys. There was a period where I always forgot the intro to the song. Like, whenever, after Slip of the Lip, it goes into that light, more lighter, melodic beginning, and it sounds yeah. a little like a ballad in the beginning. Yeah, and I, always throws song? me off. <laughs> I go, what song's this? And then, and then it goes into Body Talk. I was like, oh, yeah, it's Body Talk. That's right. Yeah. I had a period. It took me a while to get used to that because it does not sound like it should be the intro of this song. It but still yeah. throws me off to, to this day. <laughs> but, man, I still love it. Though. Love the guitar work, the sound. It's so heavy. Usually heavy songs aren't, like, sex songs, uh, but I like that. I don't mind that. Yeah. <laughs> 
and it's just badass. And again, it's short. It's like only three minutes and 44 seconds. And think of all the things this song does. It's a yeah. fucking kicks ass. I agree 110% what Mick said. I wish the band was. <laughs> I think it would have been better, obviously, because, you know, every album progressively did worse. So they yeah. try to get a little lighter and poppier with the next album. And I think it hurt them because, you know, I think that it's kind of yeah. misreading. If anything, music was going to start shifting, as we know, in the next couple of years. If I reach for the sky, they were starting to second-guess themselves a little too much. And I love that album. It's not a bad album. It's not a bad album. It's a nice old, like, power-pop kind of album. But I feel like, you know, they could have, like, if they want body talk, they would have had, like, a back for the attack for themselves. Like, should have been the next, you know? Where they got a little happier and just like yeah. just went on and you know because they weren't even the most glammy of some of the glammy you know glam metal bands in terms of their image and the music. No, not really. I, I would say, man, uh, someone's I forget who the hell said this, but someone once said like they're like the heavy metal Duran Duran, and I'm yeah. like, you know, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had that look. I like think they, Steven said that. Actually, I think Steven really. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I feel like they could they could have transitioned, especially maybe not into the '90s, but they could have transitioned better into the late '80s if they kind of went the way that Mick said and kind of had more body you know body talks on the yeah. next album. Right. Or they could have right. easily went into like a GNR direction too. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Yeah. I feel they definitely could have, but yeah. Just with more of a metal side and less yeah. bluesy kind of. Yeah, totally. But anyway, but great song. It's awesome. How could you, not anyone love Body Talk? You feel you know, like Body Talk. Like I, I fucking can't, loser. Like you probably you shouldn't drive a fucking motorized vehicle. <laughs> yeah. <Right>. So, so <laughs> what do you think of Body Talk? Gush all over this song here. Oh man, I fucking love Body Talk, baby. This fucking song rules. Um, it was in uh, the video was in Golden Child, which I quoted uh, yep. when I talked to Mick Watkins, but. Uh, and Golden Child, man, what what a cool movie, man! I love that movie. Not as great as Big Trouble in Little China, but still a really great fucking movie. Uh, this one's cool, man. It's kind of fast. Um, you know, a lot of thrash in '86 was becoming big, so it's kind of like rap being like, well, hey, we can we can play fast too, you know, like uh, Metallica or Anthrax. Yeah. Fucking cool song, man. Body talk. You make my body talk when you're next to me. Like, oh yeah. You know, definitely makes me think of that that sexy ass Chinese girl I was talking to back in the day on MySpace. Man, holy shit, love this damn song. Great guitar work, great vocals. Just, what can I say that you know you or uh, you know you Edwin or Mick have already said about it? Fucking killer, Mick. Why don't you talk about the next song, "Looking for Love"? Looking for love. I mean, to me, this one kind of goes back to where you can put it in with, uh, let's see, One Good Lover, Drive Me Crazy. I mean, like, I would call it Killer Filler, and I want to, like, emphasize on the killer, because it's a great fucking song, dude. Uh, Looking for Love, yeah. I mean, it's got such a cool fucking riff, you know, and it's kind of going in more of that cool, like, heavy metal style, you know. That's one of the things I like about this album is... Is it kind of like emphasizes on the more heavy metal side of rap, you know? I mean, I think it's a great fucking tune. I don't know, man. That's all I got. You know, I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. a great fucking song. There's a lot of it. It's like it's really hard to put into words yeah, everything. Right. Like, Especially. It's definitely my top five of the album, my top five favorites. As you get deeper in this album, because like we said, there's this kind of consistency throughout that there's only so many ways you can describe these songs, but that's not always a bad thing. 
I, I, I mean, I really like this song too. I call it Killer Filler, uh, Looking for Love. It actually, this uh, this could kind of be, I think, on Invasion of Your Privacy because it starts it off does. heavy and dark. It has like the verses are dark and heavy, but that chorus is very kind of bubblegum and kind of poppy. So, right. and, and they do it kind of seamlessly, like it works. Like that that's kind mm-hmm. of a thing that makes rat rat, that they can kind of be dark and slimy and grimy but yet kind of bubblegum and catchy, like a pop chorus, you know? And yeah. that's the thing about Looking for Love. And they're, they all these songs have, it's they're not as dark or as wistful as Dokken, but they have a similar quality where they, it's like all their songs sound like they could be perfect for like late night montages or walking around yes. city yep. street, stuff like that. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> and, and this song's just like another song like that, but I, I love the riffs. Um, you know, the guitar works great. And in a, a catchy chorus, so yeah, just just another great rat song on a great rat album. What do you think of it, Eric? Looking for love, man, just a killer fucking tune. And like you said, that one man, it's kind of dark and dirty, but man, when that chorus hits, it's just good fucking catchy, like real bubblegummy, like just pop rock. It just you know, it's real sweet, easy to chew on, and just oh, it's so good, man. Just again, I don't know how this band never became you know bigger than motley crew or as big as motley crew it's just songs like this man are just phenomenal it's a great pop metal tune and another one man i love the lyrics you know <coughs> steve pierce he's talking about just some amazing fucking chick another one reminds me of my chinese girlfriend from back in the day oh my god i love this fucking tune man just killer looking for yeah. love man fucking yeah. amazing song yeah Mick, what do you think of seventh avenue uh Hang on, before that, I want to ask you guys a question. Yeah. Uh, why don't you think this band, Rat, became as big as Crew and Poison uh, and Bon Jovi? I, um, why do you think I, that I'll is? let you go first. I, I have an opinion. Yeah, I was uh, actually going to – you were reading my mind, Mick, because I, I, <laughs> I went to comment on that. Right. Yeah, I, I understand why. It's To me, it's not a mystery. It, it's Listen, it's like Motley Crue. Again, even if we talk about uh, like girls, girls, girls. Uh, which, you know, as you know, I don't think it's a great or even good album. But, 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 <laughs> Wild Side, and I know you don't like it, but but I gotta tell you, Eric, that the title track is a memorable song. It's a catchy oh, I memory. Agree. Dude. I agree. Like I it, said, man, if yeah. this album had, if they wrote Wild Side and put on this album, yeah. it would be a but, different story. But, well, I'm saying, though, and Girls, 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 but also, they're, as cool as Rats videos are, they weren't on Motley Crue's level. Like, Motley yeah. Crue, did Very really true. big cinematic looking top-notch videos you know right. rap might have been like duran duran musically more so than motley Crue because their courses were very consistently catchy like duran duran but yep. in terms of the videos motley Crue was closer to duran yeah i agree yeah. Big, yeah. very big high concept right. memorable videos that were just on a different level than a lot of the competition motley Crue's videos yeah. were better Dokken, better than Rat, better than Cinderella. Motley Crue had the best videos of all the glam right. metal bands. Yeah. And, and like, even um, if it was just a live video of them playing, yeah, it's it was a, still it's fucking bigger. top of the notch. Like, yeah. like, like Wildside. Yeah, like Wildside. You got you got mm-hmm. Tommy doing all the drum shit. And, yeah, the spinning and, drum kit. And it just looked bigger and slicker, and they looked like a bigger band. Plus, yeah. Motley Crue also, three of the guys in the 80s were really handsome and, and better looking than any of the other guys in other bands. <laughs> yeah. And that mattered in the video age especially. 
And uh, like I said, they knew that ultimately, it's unfortunately, especially in the 80s, it was a different kind of in the 70s, but in the 80s, it wasn't about the deep tracks. No. no one really cared. That's the thing. Rat was the deep track band. They were the band yep, that yep. gave a solid album. But no one gives, no one in, in the MTV age really cared about that. There's like, oh, are there two or three great songs? The rest is just filler, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, that's what made people yeah. run out and buy the albums. So it doesn't surprise me that, like, Dancing Undercover would not do as well as Girls, Girls, Girls. It yep. didn't have those two yeah. big songs with two glossy, big, memorable videos and with, like, three really hunky guys. Like, no. Yeah. In the mid-'80s, it, it's obvious, you know. That yeah. No, I, I'm sure you can grab any of those fucking women now, those old women going to the fucking stadium tour, and ask them, uh, what their favorite Motley Crue songs. It's all going to be the hits. They're not going to yeah. say, not one of them's going to say, oh, I love Bad Boy Boogie. Or Tyler yeah. Change. I love or, Danger. Yeah. You know, oh, Danger's a good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, even, or even the good deep tracks. They're not going to know any of that. They're just going right. to know the hits, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, Rat was more of an album man, actually. And this is like it's an album. Breed. An actual real album. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you nailed it, dude. That's yeah. pretty spot I, on. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm going to put my two cents, I mean, I'm probably going to reiterate a lot of what Edwin said. But, I mean, sadly, you know, at Rat, even though they were more consistent, they had better albums. Motley Crue wrote those hit singles. Yeah. Um, Wild Side. Even though I don't like the song Girls, Girls, Girls was real catchy. You know, like I said, you know, earlier, if they wrote Wild Side, this album probably would have been a hell of a lot bigger. Because even Motley Crue, even Nikki Six in the Dirt, I believe it was the Dirt. He said, "Oh, if it wasn't for Wild Side and Girls, 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 that album would have been the death of us. Like we yeah. would have been done." Yeah, you know. And he's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. and then too, like you said, uh, when uh, you know, even though Rat, they're not bad looking guys. You know, chicks love Warren. They love Steven, and they loved uh, Robin. You know, Motley Crue are just you know. The three, Vince, Nikki, and Tommy, were better-looking guys. Right. And they had that thing like the Beatles. They had four guys. Obviously, Mick's kind of like the ugly dude. But then you had right. Vince, Tommy, and Nikki, and they all had their own personality. They're all very yeah. different. Yeah, and yeah, in a way, you had, like, five Mick, guys who Mick, were on the same level. So it was just like... Mick being ugly was also kind of an attribute. Because, like you exactly, said... Exactly, like, yeah, yeah. The one ugly dude... It, it was like, like the, the weird one too, because yeah. like, uh, he was like the Gene Simmons of Molly Crew. Yeah, exactly, just, you know, it, and he like iconic looking, like they just yeah. iconic looking Molly Crew. You remember what they look like, who they yeah. are. Even Doctor Feelgood yeah. on the yeah. song, he like does the that creepy like the, the, demonic sounding vocal is him. Yeah, he's the weird guy, so he's uh, the mysterious one. Yeah, he's like a guy from the yeah. Adam family. Exactly, they, yeah. and they um, each had something different about them, and it was kind of yeah. like a thing like with kiss and with the beatles they're each like four unique yep. guys yep rat were just five guys who are very similar yeah, you know they didn't really of, stand out from one another yeah. and the dirt. almost kind of faceless a little bit a little bit yeah. interchangeable yeah, yeah and right. again yeah. the dirt i'll always say this the dirt helped yeah. motley Crue a lot not the movie the book the book well, yeah, yeah. The, in terms the, the of notoriety. like later generations yeah <laughs> right. and that's another thing right. motley Crue knew how the maximize their brand you know, oh, yeah, everyone knows the story about oh nikki six died oh tommy lee and pam yeah. anderson the sex tape 
you know, Although, this, that, you know, all but, these but, stories. But they were working it, though. That was always Motley Crue, though. Because yeah, I recall yeah. when Dr. Feelgood was out, like, it kickstart my heart. Nikki Six in every interview was saying, oh, that song's about how I was, you know, brought back to and life. Still to yeah. this day, he they, talks they, about, oh, yeah. I died. I yeah, died. So, and, and not only that, they created a really catchy anthem about it. Like, that's yeah. the yeah. thing that Motley Crue did. They knew how to, they knew how to work their brand. And Bobby Blasser never fucked Pam Anderson on VHS tape, so if Bobby Blasser fucked her on VHS tape and he had like a 20-inch fucking dick, like, Rat would be famous. Oh, obviously, Tommy Lee kept Motley Crue famous in the 90s because he fucked Pamela Anderson. Oh, yeah. That's totally it. (laughs) Tommy Lee having, being with Pam Anderson in that videotape, Helped Motley Crue stay relevant through the 90s because That's every exactly band it. in the yeah. 90s, every 80s hair metal band suffered in the 90s except Motley Crue. They always had their names in the headlines because of Tommy Lee yeah. and Pam Anderson. Yeah. And the, yeah, yeah, but the, that's yeah. the that's the thing. They were in, they're more just a band. They're like they were proto influencers. Motley Crue. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, because um at the time when the dirt came out or well like let's say between like the time of like 94 the molly crew album and let's say 99 2000 dude nobody gave a shit about them i mean believe me like i was like a huge crew fan then and everybody at school everybody fucking laughed at me dude like they they were the most uncool fucking band at the time but then when the dirt hits everybody's like oh my god nick you're right that band's amazing they're so cool (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. And I'm like, fuck you guys, you know. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's like, you know, Motley Crue had a chance to be like Rat when they had Karabi. <laughs> you know, yeah. When you think about it, you know, and, um, and and people didn't want that. No, they're like, we don't want you sounding gritty and cool and have a good raspy singer. No, we and you know, I love Vince Neil. He's my favorite member of Motley Crue. I love Vince. He's yeah. my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think he's an <laughs> underrated vocalist in a lot of ways. But but oh, he's an amazing singer. But. What, what I'm getting at is, like, like the 94 album is kind of in the way, even though it doesn't really sound like rap, but I think you know what I'm saying. It's a consistent, yeah. solid, legit kind of rock, Aerosmith influence, like, grimy yeah. kind of rock album. Right. You know, and with, right. with a, more of a faceless, curly-haired, black-haired singer, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, and no one wants that. They want the personalities. They want, you know, Vince up there. Even if he's fat, even if he's fat and <laughs> just ate a whole bucket of chicken, it's like, they want, he's, he's the fucking star. He's the guy yeah. that was in the MTV videos back in the day. Yep. He's the guy that challenged Axl Rose to a fight. You know, yeah. he's the guy I still he say killed Vince someone in his car, you know? He's oh, Vince would have murdered Axl. Yeah, yeah you know, Vince is a badass dude. Like, he he is, dude. He would have beat his ass. But I'm saying, all these guys, you know, and and he killed someone in his car. And Nikki Six had a drug <laughs> overdose. And Tommy Lee dated celebrities Pam and women and fucked them all. And even before that, it was like Heather Locklear and shit. Like, yep. like, like, like they were doing things that made them stars. Like, right. like, like pop stars. If yeah, like pop Bobby stars. Bobby Lobster was dating yeah. celebrities and, you know, seeing Piercy killed someone and got out of, like, yeah. fucking life in prison. They would have been fucking huge. They, met, they didn't put in the extra effort it takes to be really big. It's something John Lennon once said about the Beatles. He said, he said it takes, you got to be a real son of a bitch 
to you got to be a real bastard to get anywhere in the entertainment business. Yep. And the Beatles were the biggest bastards of them all. <laughs> yeah. Duly noted. Duly noted. There to make your band big, you've got to kill somebody. Yeah. Like porn stars. It's, it's the notoriety stories. But I know, man. Make the notes. Take right, right. Kill somebody. <laughs> Fuck porn stars. Have. 12-inch dick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm screwed on that, so fuck, I gotta murder somebody. Hey, that's why God made extensions. Just put it in. Right. Get get out the dick pump. Oh, that'd be... If we did an album every year and kept on making music, they would eventually get to a song called Dick Pump. (laughs) Dick Pump! Dick Pump! Yeah! (laughs) Get pumped! Dick Pump! Hey, I'd rather see Bobby Blaster out there doing the the titty cam instead of doing his, uh, like you said, Mick, on the previous episode, his break dancing with his stupid Michael Jackson glittery hat. Yeah, that that was embarrassing, dude. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I sat there the whole show with my arms crossed, just in pure disgust. <laughs> Jesus right. Christ! Let's hey, I'm gonna bring us back to this album. This yeah, wonderful yeah. album, Dancing on a Tire, right there. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. I was no. just curious. No, no, oh, yeah. it's great. It's great. We yeah, <laughs> was, we want this to be a two-hour really talk episode. about Rat without bringing up a Motley Crue versus Rat thing. It's almost like Metallica right. versus Megadeth. Absolutely, yeah. you gotta do it. You gotta do it. So Seventh Avenue. Actually, I'm gonna take this one first. Do oh, it. Yeah, go for yeah. it. I love this song. Another awesome song. And this goes back again. I'm gonna be repeating myself, but this is this song really has that kind of late '70s Aerosmith groove. You know, yes. Little yes. draw yep. line, Night in the Ruts kind of just dark, funky. It's funky, man. And, yeah. You know, everyone knows I love the funk. So yeah, it gets funky, and you just—it's got that groove. It's just badass, and yet, but you know, it has that little catchy kind of trademark rat chorus. But it's a very funky, deep song. Again, I'd call it killer filler, but man, it's like really killer filler. I fucking love right. this song. Seven it's like throwing something up with cheese and like nacho cheese. Yeah, can't it's go wrong. Smart. It's just like no. strutting down the street. I can't think of you know. I love how. He, and he he says a lot of the same uh, words again and again, which I love. I love with Stephen how he sings "city." Like he just sounds. He makes the word "city" sound so cool. Yeah, city, city, city. And again, like you can tell, like this is someone when he was a teenager spinning his Aerosmith records. Like he was fucking taking notes. He knew how Absolutely. to play. Yeah, yeah. And it just it's got that attitude. I love fucking Seventh Avenue. Great song. Probably a mid-tier right. song for me here, but fucking mid-tier on this album is a fucking gem. we to jump in this one next, Edwin, real okay, quick. Okay, you go. Uh, you go, Eric. Oh, man. So, because there's a lot of things you said that, you know, a lot of things in my notes that I was going to say about this, but it is a sexy fucking song. Yeah. This used to be my second favorite song off the album after Slip of the Lip, but another song took its place. But oh, it's still a fucking great song. It's just, it's awesome, man. It's just about, uh, it's almost like, lyrically, it's kind of like Photograph by Def Leppard. Where it's, yeah. it's fantasizing about those, you know, the celebrities that you fall in love with. You know, especially when you're a young kid. When you're a young kid, there's always the the girl in the movie or the TV show or on your, you know, the modeling magazines that you see that you're, like, <coughs> in love with. Uh, it's him kind of, like, you know, reminiscing about that, like, about these girls he'd see in magazines or on movies, these movie stars yeah. that he'd fall in love with, man. I love these lyrics, man. It is. It's like a... This song makes me feel like, you know, with the riff, with the the drumming and bass playing, it makes me feel like I'm strutting down the streets of the Sunset Strip at night, like, in the 80s, and, like, just looking for a show to see, finding some chicks, scoring some blow, 
it just it gives that vibe of just strutting down the streets of the Sunset Strip back in the eighties when everything was just great. Fucking love this song. Uh, you know, and like I said, it's about like those those famous like TV stars or movie stars you like fall in love with as a young kid, like like Phoebe Cates almost. And Phoebe Cates at the time of recording this episode, her birthday was yesterday, so Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Phoebe Cates. Thank you for giving me one of my first boners as a kid. <laughs> All right. Happy birthday, yeah. Stotface. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a drop dead Fred, remember? Stolt yeah. yeah. I, I just watched that like two months ago. Yeah. Love it, man. Love it. Great movie. I was actually yeah, just watching Fast Times at Richmond High the other day. Phoebe Cates gave a lot of men their first direction or one of the oh first Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude, can you imagine like if, uh, if your name was Brad... <laughs> And you watch Fast Times Are Die <laughs> for the first time. It hits differently if your name was probably Brad. Uh, uh, the first I, time I saw her though was in Gremlins as a little kid. Of course, oh, I, I, me too. She, me too. She gave, she gave me an erection in that. She didn't even. Yeah. Have to, she was wearing like <laughs> sweater about her Christmas dad sweater. dressed in Santa Claus and dining. Oh yeah, I still got boner for I, that I, shit. Long, should I have a boner when she's talking about her dad dying in the chimney? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Mick, what do you think about Seventh Avenue? Seventh and Avenue. Oh, uh, Phoebe Cates, I think, is a total fucking babe, dude. Hands down, one of the hottest babes of the decade. Yep. You know, the 80s. But this song, Eric, you, like, talked about how, like, uh, you know, the lyrics talk about, you know, kind of like the um, the pinup girls. It's almost like a tribute to them. You know, um, well, like, throughout the years, the career of Rat, I've always noticed that in their artwork and on their T-shirts, and even to this day, Stephen Piercy has a love for Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I kind of think that this song might be kind of his ode or his like um, tribute to Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, you know, like 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 um, her image is even in the "You Think You're Tough" video. You know, and uh, I love Bobby's that video. Right, right, same. And uh, Bobby Blotcher's drum heads, bass drum heads, have even had a picture of her on it. You know, so I think that's kind of his big influence when it comes to the pinup girls. You know, he seems to be a big fan of her, but uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, besides the lyrics, I think it's a cool fucking tune. It's got a cool strut. Almost kind of like uh, in his singing and in his phrasing and attitude, Stephen Piercy's almost kind of channeling his inner James Brown almost. You know, it's, yeah. uh, Ooh. you know, yeah, you know, like just kind of got that cool funk strut to it, you know, and uh, yep. you know, I love and, James Brown. Right. Yep. You know, and, and that's something, you know, comparing uh, Rat and, and uh, Motley Crue, Vince does not have that in it. Yeah, I love Vince Neil, yeah. but Vince didn't have that cool funkiness. That you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. What I, I think um, they, they're great when it comes to like the more metallic, sleazy, demonic kind of heavy metal stuff or yes. up, like glam yeah. influence. But I think when you tried to get funky or bluesy, to me, it just didn't work. And it, it, it sounds it, generic, like Bad Boy Boogie. Yeah, Tommy Lee doesn't have the swing, and Vince's vocals. They, it, yeah. it just doesn't work. Like with Tommy- Rat. They got the swing. He's got, you know, and Steven's vocals. They can do it. They can do it. But right. Mom couldn't do Tommy's it. Tommy's right. a technically better drummer when he wants to be. Oh, Tommy Lee's a great... He's got that simplistic swing to him. And right. then also, too, I think Vince, you know, and a lot of people may laugh at me, but I'm talking about Vince's prime. Vince was a better mm-hmm. singer than Steven Piercy. Like, technically, like, he could hit, like, yeah. way more higher notes. But Steven just had that attitude and, like, that... You know, he had that swagger to his voice that you just, yeah. it's not about talent, it's about just like he has that attitude. Personality. Yeah. That, 
no one can match. Yeah, it's just like a sound when you're. It's like another instrument, and that's why you said you brought up a uh, Mick, of course, James Brown. I love James Brown, but Aerosmith loved James Brown too, and covered James there you Brown. Go. So it all it's all kind of connected. I also think uh, Marilyn Monroe. I'm glad you brought that up too. I think kind of makes a lot of sense that she would be like uh, an icon for the band and someone that they kind of mm-hmm. used a lot, you know, with their artwork and videos and stuff. Because it's right. like, it's a combination of sexiness, but with a dark undercurrent. Because, you know, yeah, you, go. you know, she's going to die young and in a you know, right. bad way. But yet she's very right. sexy. And it's, I, a lot of it, too, also reminds me of, like, I'm a big fan. My favorite filmmaker is Brian De Palma. And yeah. Brian De Palma films in the '80s, like Body Double and stuff, and Dress yep. Hill. And there's a quality to Rat that just makes me think of that too, because there's a lot of voyeurism in yes. Brian De Palma films. You know, people oh, yeah. looking, you know, and chasing around people and looking at them through the streets and looking right. through the windows of apartments in the city. And mm-hmm. I, Rat just has that. Fun, you know, I just think of like the smoke rising from the from the city streets <laughs> at night and <laughs> yeah. people peering in into windows and seeing. Women taking their clothes off and I don't know, all that stuff. The big know, lines of cocaine, you know. Yeah, oh yeah. Cocaine, <laughs> going in and out of little seedy clubs, and it's just that after hours vibe. Another great movie. I love Martin Scorsese. Yeah. After hours, just just Rat has that vibe. They just right. got that vibe, and it's very organic and natural. And it just they in the music, it's just amazing stuff. So, uh, right. but let's jump into the next one, Mick. What do you think of It Doesn't Matter? I love this song, man. I love the lyrical aspect. It doesn't matter about the clothes you wear. It doesn't matter if they stare. It's just a cool kind of anthem for, you know, the young rockers and metalheads at the time. And even us now. You know what I mean? You, you know, yeah. You know, like we, you, you know, I mean, we aren't cut from the, you know, the typical cloth of society, you know. And uh, this song's just a cool anthem for that. You know, and that's not something that Rat really touched on a lot in their lyrics. You know, and I think that's what makes this song unique. And like I said about, you know, a few um, other ones, it's just kind of got a cool, heavier, grittier, darker vibe. So put that with the lyric. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, it's a great song. One of my top songs on the album. Actually, Body Talk's my favorite. Then I'd go with Slip of the Lip. Uh, this song is my third favorite on the album. It doesn't matter. Wow. All right. Yeah. Good, Good choice. Yeah, I love this song, too. It's like mid-tier for me. But again, on this album... My favorite rat album, Mid Tier, still a great song. I love it. Everything you said, I think it kind of, in some ways, it's kind of the heart of this album because I do think that's kind of the album's ethos with the album cover and everything. Is in a way, you know, and in 1986, like you know, th- this was a big deal. Like probably maybe counterintuitive from a career standpoint, but they were kind of like on. If they they second guessed themselves, unfortunately, with the next album. But here, yeah, I feel like yeah. they were. They were like a little ahead of the curve. They were stripping back a little bit. They weren't just relying on eye candy ladies on the cover. They, the band just looks a little more straight up, black and white photo. Like, right. It's like what we said about Doc and like Back for the Attack, like where the band's kind of stripping back a little bit, you know? They're still and, second guessing themselves. Yeah, They're kind of here, in between. Yeah. yeah, but here it's like they kind of were, <coughs> they had the courage to say, no, we're going to strip back. We're going to be a little less glam on this album, a little right. more down and dirty. It doesn't matter. It's kind of like the anthem of that thing. It right. doesn't matter. The image and all that stuff. And yeah. We're not going to be about all that. And it's just like a straight-up tune. I love it. It's one of the more subtle tracks, but still, I just really love it. I love that groove, the riff, you know, all the things. And God, yeah. Steve, he could just make one line just sound like a hook. That's oh, he could. Yeah. 
Oh and that's God, ingenious yeah. on his part. Yeah, know? because this song doesn't even really have a chorus. It's just like him just no. saying it doesn't matter. It doesn't but, matter. Yeah, but that it becomes a hook. It's kind of like what, like uh, especially in the ladies. 80s and 90s a lot of uh, hip-hop artists would do where yeah. they make a line just sound catchy if they say it a certain way and again right. this and james brown of course used to do that all the time like just repeat certain lines again and again and yeah steven can do that it's just it's delivery catchy. right it's and and um you brought up a point uh, eddie that you said that they stripped back you know which they totally did yeah. of the 80s glam bands with that you know being said was rat the first band to kind of strip back they might have been i'm looking at this 1986 think right. about it. I, I feel nobody like else was honestly doing it. honestly in my opinion if they um because their image still at the time was very glammy if they went at this point when they made the sound if they went the guns and roses direction with the look i think easily they could have been like the gnr of uh the 80s yeah because like if they went with that just straight up leather denim look yeah. No makeup, Which they were no starting it hair. on this album. They yeah, I feel like they're. it's a step in that direction. I agree. Yeah. I'm thinking about this. Uh, Molly crew a little bit with, you know, girls, 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 but that's one year later. So that's yeah, if, yeah, literally, exactly. if Rat did it, yeah. um, if Rat did that for this album and he still didn't have the poofy hair and all this and that, they yeah. could have uh, been like the GNR, or like at least the Motley Crue girls, girls, girls era. I feel like they're moving. I mean, there's some bands like Tesla that were never like that to begin with. Right, like, they were just oh, yeah, straight yeah, up. Tesla looked like a bunch shirts. of dudes at the gas station. They, they always yeah. did, you know. Uh, but yeah, but I, yeah, I think Frat. It, it really comes down to this was like kind of a transition album where the choices they made with the next album, both in terms of their image and the kind of album they made, really decided if they were going to be a big band in the late '80s or not. And yeah. obviously, there's a reason, like I said, there's a reason why in the late 80s, they weren't a band that my brother listened to, because <laughs> because of certain decisions they made with, yeah. uh, you know, Reach for the Sky. Right. And, but this was a transition, and I feel like it was like, this is an album that set up two paths, and there was one path that they could have went, which I think would have made them uh, continue to have been a big band in the late 80s, but they unfortunately didn't take that path. But, you know... Still, still more consistent than Motley Crue. Uh, but, yeah. You know, yeah. And like you said, hey, he's still, Steven still lives in a nice house and he's still banging women that are out of his league. So, hey, good for him. He's still, oh, right. yeah. His new girlfriend <laughs> is gorgeous. She's <laughs> hot, dude. Yes. So there good you job, go. Steven. So, yeah. yeah. So, good job, know, Steven. You know, when you compare things, it's like what we said about Dave Mustaine. Like, stop crying. You know, there's nothing wrong with being in the second biggest thrash band of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Steven <laughs> yeah, Pierce. Oh, my is, God. Yeah. Stephen Piercy is what Dave Mustaine should be like. Because Stephen Piercy knows, like, I'm never going to be number one over Motley Crue. But, goddamn, I live in a nice house with a fucking gorgeous-ass girl. I'm still, like, kind of the number two hair metal band. So, fuck it. I'm going to have fun. Who cares? Yeah, and, uh, you know, he, all he has to do, he needs a confidence boost. He goes, he plays some little dive bar someplace. Yeah. Plays round and round. Fuck it. I'm going to probably go see Stephen Piercy because I love that man. Right. And what do you think of It Doesn't Matter, Eric? Oh, man, dude, it's just a, a great song. Another killer riff. Like I said, all throughout the album, I'm going to be talking about these riffs. Killer fucking riff. I love the lyrics. Um, I love <coughs> Piercy's delivery of these lyrics, man. Just the whole, it's blackjack, don't look back, your luck is running out on hand. Oh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Russian roulette, it's not me. For free, you're so hot, you never stop living life until you drop. It's like, it is kind of like a rap kind of thing where... 
it's not like he's really, you know, it's not like he's singing like some kind of Pomeravi where like he's got great vocals, but like his delivery of it, it's so catchy and it just, right. it's amazing, dude. I love this fucking tune. Um, just another fucking killer song, man. I mean, there's just, there's not a bad track on this album. Nope. You know, there's some I like more than others, but it's just, it's such a consistently good album. And just that whole, Steam Piercy plays with his strengths. Like, he's not the technically greatest singer, but he knows what he can do good, and he just utilizes it. And this song's a perfect example of that. This amazing fucking song. Awesome. Okay, Mick, what do you think of Take a Chance? And I'm going to use the ch- bathroom real quick. All right, all right, all right. All right, Take a Chance, man. Uh... You know, like we've talked about, you know, I mean, like, I feel like we all, like, kind of keep saying the same thing, you know, but it's such a good fucking album, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's consistent, and it rocks. It does not stop rocking. You gotta give it that. You know, but this is track number nine, and this is a good tune, Take a Chance, but if I had to pick uh, my least favorite song, this is it. You know, this is the one that, to me, out of the ten songs on the album, it sounds kind of a little um, underwhelming. You know, I mean, it's a good song, and it's better than half the fucking songs on Girls Goes Girls. You know, but uh, it's my least favorite. Good tune, yeah, though. Yeah, I got. You know, I'm looking at this. If I had to pick, I, it's tough. This is a tough album to pick a yeah, least favorite. It I don't, is. May, maybe, uh, maybe drive me crazy. But that's a really good to- song and really rock song. And it's a great third track. Like it comes in right when it needs to. So, right. but. But I, I really like this song, so I don't know. It wouldn't be my least. I mean, take yeah. a chance. I think the thing is, um, another mid-tier song. I know, it's like so many... It's hard to say. I don't feel there's really any bad songs on this album. That's the thing. No, there's not. But, uh, take a chance. It's a little like 7th Avenue. It's not as good as that song, but it's it's funky. It's another one where it's kind of hard rocking and funky at the same time. Right. It's just has a cool groove. Uh, it's, a, it's a great like second-to-last track. Uh, you know, I love it, but like I said, we pretty much have described all these songs it's another it's another awesome song on dancing undercover in my opinion so i love it it's funky and hard rocking but it's not it doesn't really distinguish itself but again you know not a problem with this album what do you think of it eric take a chance man this is the this song i was talking about when i said this is my second favorite song off the album wow there you go seventh avenue but man, when I was listening to this album the past couple months preparing for this episode, I was like, God damn, there's something about this song that just hits me. Um, take a chance, man. Just a really great song. Again, just real sexy fucking lyrics. It's Steve Piercy, man, basically rapping to this chick, telling her, like, listen, baby, you know, let's fucking do this shit. Like, I'm here. Like, what what's stopping you, you know? Right. Great fucking song. And uh this is the, you know, the first time I've really brought up Bobby Blotzer's drumming. Really great drumming by Bobby on this fucking song. Um, just the rhythm section's fucking awesome, and it's a great fucking riff. Love Juan Crucier's background vocals. And Juan has, uh, Juan Crucier, man, he's got some great background vocals. He does. Yes, he, yes, he does. Vocals. This is my yeah, first yeah. time bringing it up, but, man, you listen to all these songs. Juan's got some great fucking background vocals. I love Juan mm-hmm. Crucier. Like I said, back in like 2012, I think it was, he like messaged me on Facebook. I, I forget what I messaged him about, but he responded to me, and I was just like, I fangirled over it. And he just seems like, he seems like such a fucking nice guy. I, I always goof on him because he is kind of like the the like you know, he's like 
the he's like the PR people's favorite guy because he seems like the guy that like kind of watches his P's and Q's. He's oh, not yeah. as dangerous as the other guys. And he's got those goofy ass stage moves, which I know, like the stage moves. Even funnier because now he's like all <laughs> chubby and shit. And old. I was gonna say if you see him now doing them, it's kind of comical. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, I, it's I, so I comical, but I love. Yeah. Juan Crucier, he just seems oh, like yeah. such a nice. He seems like such a fucking nice guy and just a right. lovable guy. Like you can't, you can't hate that guy. He just seems so nice, but he's got some great background vocals and God love him, man. He he's out there doing all these goofy ass stage moves, trying to entertain the crowd. He's, he's not boring. He, he loves what he does, you know. And you uh, can actually hear his bass. Yeah, I'm like, and, he says you can actually play the fucking bass for fun. Right. Bass. And he's a solid bassist, man. You oh, know, yeah, like, it's not there. flashy. Not, you know, like, he's he, no gives a he gives that groove. <laughs> he gives that groove, you know? Exactly. Just, there's a bottom, there's a groove, and he does his thing. And he also he co-wrote most of the songs on uh, all the classic Rat albums, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah he he, he's a, a great songwriter. Songs. Yeah. yeah, and he was I'm with Dawkins. Yeah, and he yep. was great in Doc, and you saw those clips, yeah. you know, I'm always gushing about back when yeah. we were playing in, Ger- in Germany. G- Germany, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's amazing. amazing. Oh, Knight Rider especially. That's my oh, yeah. favorite off that first his, Doc his album. Pumping bass, and he was doing the great backing vocals back then. That's why when they got Jeff Peelson, like, they needed someone that could do what, you know, Juan was doing, you know? That right. could, and I love Jeff Peelson. Yeah. Jeff Peelson's great. great. And a great, He's great. singer. I actually think Ron's a... a, a Juan is a little bit better, actually, as a bassist. I, I think see. I love Juan, but I will give the edge to Jeff Pilsen. I'm a huge Jeff Pilsen fan. I swing off his nuts. Jeff's <laughs> backing vocals and songwriting's a little stronger. I I, yeah. I agree with that. But I'm yeah. just talking bass playing. I kind of like oh. him, yeah hmm. a little bit better. I think there's something a little funkier to it. Yeah, it was yeah. funny because even Zach Wild, because uh, obviously Jeff Pilsen was one of the guys that played in the Steel Dragon Band for that movie Rockstar. Zach yeah. Wilde said, like, oh, man, when I did this project, he's like, I thought he was just the bass player from, you know, Doc, and I didn't think much of him. And then I saw what he could do, like, vocally, songwriting-wise, <laughs> guitar, bass playing. He's like, I was, like, I was like taken aback. He's yeah, a very he's talented great. guy. Okay, I want to take the next and last song. Uh-oh. Because Ooh. if you guys haven't figured it out yet. By I was going to say, this is the song. Here it is. It, all right. This is where I'm going to gush the most. All right. Enough is Enough is my favorite song on the album. Woo! Yeah! I fucking love this song. I'm surprised more people won't love it as much as I do, but I love it. I love it. it. I love it, man. <laughs> uh, this, I think, should have been a single. I'm, I can't believe it was not a single. It's so catchy. To me, it's kind of like the album's Lay It Down. It's a really catchy. All right. Yeah. Glam, you know, kind of perfect glam, glam metal song. Right. And, you know, the way... And it starts off, I love, you know, it starts with clean guitar, kind of different for them. You're not used yeah. to hearing that, you know, in the beginning. It's just got that swagger and cool, you know, just steaming in the guitar. And, <laughs> and it kicks in. It kicks in with that kind of classic rat groove. And I just like, it, it does all these songs, just like three minutes and 23 seconds. You never get bored of it. It just keeps nope. kind of, this song changes a lot compared to even some of the other songs. Yeah. And... I just love the chord progressions. I love the solos. I love the chorus. And that chorus, to me, this is the greatest chorus on the album. Because I love how Steven sings that chorus and he rhymes enough is enough with um, is it love. 
You know, yeah, that is awesome. It's yeah. so awesome because technically that does not rhyme, but Steve right. sings "Is It Love" in a way that it does rhyme. You know, it's right, enough, right. It's enough. Is it love? Is it love? And it's just so badass sounding. Yeah. The way he leans into the "Is it love" in a way to make it rhyme if enough is enough just sounds so badass, and I just love that. To me, that's such a catchy vocal hook. It's and, poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, poetry. And I, I love the vibe, and then the way the song kind of, inter, you know, kind of uh, ends abruptly. To me, it would have worked great with some sexy video. Like I just yes, totally should have had a video to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even like the abrupt stop, I could see that being on a freeze frame with some girl catching him looking at her or something. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of that, that, that cool ending. Yeah, but oh, I, the, yeah, the finger lick thing. Love yeah, that, dude. Dude, I used so to do cool. That all the fucking time, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, to me it would have been perfect. So I'm just surprised it was not. But I, but it's also just great as an album closure. You know, closing the album. I love the vibe. It's pretty much everything I love about Rat is in Enough Is Enough, and it's it's a top. It's my favorite song on the album. I say a top five Rat song too. It's in all my. Right. I was gonna ask that. I was gonna ask yeah, if that, say, that was your I, number one. Uh, lay it down to my favorite rat song, I'm, and then maybe Same back, there, man. then maybe back for more. Um, back for more has got some seminal feeling for me, so yeah. that's in my top five. This might be my third. I don't know. Uh, you, you know, you think your tough is up there? I'd probably go for enough is enough is probably my third favorite after back cool. for more and lay it All down. All right, yeah, that's good but, shit. Yeah, so yeah, amazing song. <laughs> I love it. Great way to end. You know, and this is something Ian Wildley's talked about too when. A last song that makes you want to listen to more. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. But you listen to it and you're like, oh, I want to listen to more more songs like this. So what you do, you just go back to the beginning again. And it's a short album. Yeah. It's funny too because I know a lot of people that don't like this album. A lot of people that say, oh, this is their downfall. They, a lot of people they say always that. make a joke about like, oh, enough is enough. Yeah, what appropriate name for the last song. Oh, Fuck bullshit. that, man. Great song. Bullshit. Posers. You yeah, have to be a fucking poser to listen to Enough is Enough and not want to listen to more of this fucking album. I Makes agree. me just want to start it over again. It's a fucking awesome last track. I love it. What do you think, Mick Watkins? Uh, dude, you, you, you pretty much nailed it, man. Like, I love the beginning with the clean guitar. Or the uh, just, I like the way you talk when you undress me. I like to take it all off. <laughs> yeah. It's just, dude, Stephen Piercy. With that fucking cool swagger and just attitude, man. There wasn't anybody like him, man. And, you know, just like, again, like all these songs, to me, he is what fucking makes rap. You know, Warren's great. Rob and Bobby Wan, they all are awesome. But it takes Steven's delivery and his lyrics and just his, like, you know, his uh, machismo. Yeah. You know, there's a, a nice word for it, machismo. It yep. takes that just to fucking make rap. And uh, I love the kind of the part towards the end where he kind of takes the chorus, you know, it is enough is enough is enough is enough is enough is enough. You know, I just love that part, dude. It's it's a cool fucking song. And it's a really big shame that this wasn't a video because this could have been the single that saved the album. Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised to yeah. me. Like I said, yeah. I listened to this and this has a kind of lay it down kind of vibe to yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I'm, I don't think it's as strong as Lay It Down, but it's yeah. still in that league, you know? Yeah. But, like, you got to thank you, um, you know what I mean? Because this release, I mean, I don't think this album did that well, did it? It did well, but oh, not it did as well. well. It, did, it, it, made, it went platinum. I mean, it did well. It didn't do right. as well as the first two, though. So right. it, was the fir- and, it was, like, the first drop-off. Right, right, yeah. the first kind of slump. And I believe this was probably 
you know, the tour of this because I know it was them and Poison. Poison was the opener. Was this maybe like their last big, huge tour? You know, and uh, then they started to slide. Yeah, because like, yeah, um, you could tell by um, um, what was that album? Uh, Reach for the Sky. Yeah. Or yeah. the stages started slimming down a lot because you watch the gotcha. I Want a Woman video. Love the it. Stage man. got a lot smaller. Detonator, it was fucking tiny. Well, and Reach for the yeah. Sky, the label actually, it, it, it did, you know, all it, it, the, even the next album wasn't like a total bomb. No, but it again, wasn't. It, yeah. but, it, but again, there was another drop off in sales. Right. And the record company actually brought them back and made them stop touring halfway through and told them to get back into the studio again. That right. like, <laughs> like, like you maxed it out. You're not going to do any right. better with this album. And on Dead I Nader, like Reach for the Sky. It's I, I can understand how people may not like it, but I fucking love that album. I love the goofy ass album cover where it's like a <laughs> yeah. statue with night vision goggles and all this right. weird shit in the background. Yeah. I love. I love that album. Well, before oh, yeah. we get into Good kind book. of a epilogue of where Rat went, let's just, uh, I want to wrap this up though, Eric, oh. with Enough is Enough. What do you think about Enough is Enough? Enough is Enough, man. It's a great fucking song. Um, I remember, like, being younger, I used to hate the guitar at the beginning, like how it had the, it was almost like a new wave-ish kind of sound to it with the clean mm. guitar. Yeah, yeah um, I used to hate that as a kid. That was one of the few songs like where I was like, eh, I don't know what I think about, but I love it now. I think it's kind of it has a charm to it, yep. and I love the lyrics. Um, the lyrics, fun, oddly enough, you know, I'm talking about like this old girlfriend I had back in the day who I always think about when I listen to Rat because what happened was, man, she eventually like. I found out later on she was talking to two other guys and she was coming to America from China. Oh, her no. mom lived in America and she was bringing her to America to get a better opportunity in life. And I'm like, well, are you going to come see me, live with me and whatnot? Well, there's two other guys she was talking to, man. She was going to go visit this other guy. And I was like, fuck you. You know, like it, it broke my heart, man, because like I was in love with this woman and my heart was broken. I'm like, fuck you. I'm done. Like, we're, we're done now. I'm never going to come back to you. And, uh, you know, I kind of realized my self-worth. I knew what I was worth. I knew I didn't deserve that shit. Um, even though later in life, maybe I would get into situations where I was with a girl. And, like, maybe I, I, I kind of was kind of a pussy, you know. But, like, mm. at that moment in my life, man, I was like, fuck you. You know, I know I'm. I deserve better than this, so fuck you. And uh, I was kind of done with her at that point, man. And uh, kind of lost communication with her for a little bit, man. I, I touched base with her a little bit later, and like kind of, you know, things went kind of downhill for her. Like she was kind of getting mixed up with the wrong crowd, getting into drugs and this and that. And uh, I don't know whatever happened to her, man. But I'm at a point in my life where, you know. That doesn't really matter anymore. I'm at a point in my life. I have an amazing wife who I love to death, so I really don't care. But at the same time, I like to know, like, I hope you turned out okay. But, man, this is a great fucking song. Enough is enough, man. It's like all you guys out there that are dealing with, like, women that don't treat you right, fucking leave that shit, man, because you deserve fucking better. You always deserve better, man. So I love this song. Great fucking lyrics. Great fucking tune. Love it, even though I didn't like that opening guitar part of the gang. I love it now. Great there you song. Go. Great way to end the fucking album, man. Awesome. So great talking about this album with you guys. I and love that, it, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I like I like Reach for the Sky. 
But great album. But I can understand it, why people don't like it, but I I love it personally. It, it, I, I I like it. I wouldn't say I love it. I like You're it. Right. Yeah, I think it. You know, it's a catchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has a. You know, you know. I want a woman. It has some catchy songs. You know, the rat stuff. You know, sound is still kind of infected, but it's definitely poppier and lighter. Yeah, it feels like that's the path. Like it feels like Invasion of Your Privacy had two paths, kind of like this mm-hmm. album. And yes. like this is like going two steps backwards and taking the popular path off yeah. after Invasion of Your Privacy. Like it's I guess like I was saying, it's like uh, Reacher's guys kind of like them second guessing themselves. Yeah, like, oh, we want to and they're kind of like starting to be like, oh shit, what should we do now? Yeah, instead of just doing but, what they wanted to do. Right. And, Let, and uh, I do think the next album after that, though, you know, is uh, a little bit better. Uh, into the nine. I love Detonator. Yeah, Detonator is definitely better in Reach for the Sky. What do you think, Mick? Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, actually, Detonator's got some really, really crunchy, like you know, stuff mm-hmm. on it. Really heavy for rap, you know. Like, uh, what's that fucking Top Secret? That's heavy. Great uh, song. Right. Yeah. Uh, shame, shame, shame's heavy. It's yeah, all or nothing's a really it. good song too, man. Yeah, yeah. That and feels that, more that, like a follow up to Dancing Undercover to me. Yes. Yeah. That was yeah, the yeah, album totally I really felt. Um, I didn't like it as much, um, even when I was a huge, like, you know, I'm still a huge rat fan, but, like, when I was at the peak of my, like, rat love in high school, yeah. even I listened to that album, I was like, oh, this is kind of a drop-off, but I listened to it recently, man, I'm like, man, this sounds a lot better than I thought it was, it's really right. good. Right. Now, do we all agree, though, uh, we all agree that Infestation, though, is the best thing after Dancing Undercover? Oh, I know, Buck, yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Easily, easily. Yeah. I remember, yeah. too, um... I remember when that album was, they first announced they were doing another album, and I was in high school dating that chick at the time. I remember just being so psyched for that fucking album, and uh, yeah. uh, the day before it was released, they actually like made it where you could listen to the whole album on their MySpace page, and I, I spent that whole night just listening to that album over and over, and I loved yeah. songs like... Uh, don't let go, you know. Oh, I love that song. Uh, another dude. big bite. Oh, it's just yeah. it was so good, man. And I love that too, because you know Motley Crue had Saints of Los Angeles around the same time, and yep. it was just them trying to be like Godsmack or be like all these other bands that are popular. Whereas Rat just stuck with their sound. It's yeah. modern yep. production, but they stuck with that Rat sound, you know, which I love. Every other band yeah. was trying to be like they're trying to do their thing, but like mixed with like Theory of a Dead Man and all these bands that are popular. Right. Yeah. Here's a question, though, and I know you said because that's the thing, you know, and not not to take away from Robin Crosby, but you know that album didn't have Robin Crosby. It was after no, his death. Carlos and yet, Cavazzo. Yeah, yeah, Carlos Cavazzo. Yeah. yeah, and and it worked. You know, it, it was yeah. it, it was a really strong album. But I'm curious because you guys, you know, you're you know a little bit more about this than I would know because I didn't get into rat until after this album was out. What well, what happened? Like, why didn't this like kind of? Why didn't they build on this? I mean, did Warren and Steven have a falling out? I mean, what what happened well, behind the scenes? Why didn't they take this and kind of build on it and like keep making albums? Why did this lineup fall apart? What happened? Well, um, well, literally, I'll, I'll, yeah, go ahead. I'll probably go first real quick. Yeah. Just uh, um, with Infestation Man and like the whole thing of like why didn't they capitalize on this? Um. One, I think it was just Rat. Unfortunately, man, as much as I love them, I'll admit they're a very dysfunctional band. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Warren, Steven, Robin, Bobby, they, I mean, they just don't get along, man. There's always, whether it's Steven and Juan having issues or 
Bobby Blotzer and the rest of the band having issues, or Warren D. Martin, who I guess he's like a trust fund baby who doesn't need to tour. That's what I've heard, yeah. Yeah, like, it's just always an issue with someone. They're Sadly, they're just so dysfunctional. Even though Motley Crue's dysfunctional, they can function together still to make that money. Whereas Rat, they just can't. They can never get the fuck along, and that's why I feel ultimately, like, uh causes their issues they just can't capitalize on a great fucking album and uh you know it's just the thing too of like motley crew always eclipsed them even when if infestation came out motley crew always eclipsed them just because there's yeah. other things involved besides just a good album uh motley crew just has the four guys that people identify with and like yeah. and they had the dirt uh whereas rat didn't have that element you know i just feel like infestation while it's a great album no one gave a shit about Rat at that point, except for, you know, people who were fans of Rat. Right, hardcore. And while that's yes. a great album, way better than Saints of Los Angeles, people just wanted to gravitate towards Motley Crue, because, oh, Nikki Six, yeah. he's the guy that died, and, oh, Nikki and Tommy are cute guys, you know, this and that. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I essentially... never going to work out for Rat, and then they're so dysfunctional yeah. that it, it just, you know... Right. Rat, just sadly, they're they're their own worst enemies. Okay, absolutely. So, so essentially, what you're saying is, Rat's not popular enough for them, mm-hmm. and they don't like each other enough to play. Yeah, <laughs> like like and even though either dysfunctional, I feel oh, like yeah, they can but, always get along better to they don't to make that money. Don't, no, no, if that's the difference. They're yeah. just making so much money that it's like they can't turn it down. Right. <laughs> like that, you know like, what's <laughs> funny is. Um, when this album came out, I used to be a Quiet Riot, uh, Quiet Riot hater. Yeah. I used to not like Metal Health. Nowadays, I love Metal Health, and I actually love Condition Critical even more. Yeah, I definitely have a lot more respect for that band and really love their material now more so than when I was in high school. When Carlos Carvazzo was replacing Robin Crosby, I used to think, "What the fuck are you thinking? You're gonna replace, you know, Robin Crosby with that guy?" and uh, that album showed me what a great songwriter Carlos yeah. was. Um, he wrote like half the damn songs. He did, Steven man. Percy, yeah. And he is a great guitar player, man. And he really proved me wrong. And that was actually the reason why I went into Quiet Riot. Like, let me go check out, you know, Metal Health and all these are Quiet Riot albums again because I didn't give them the fair shake that they deserved, you know, when I was younger. And, uh, that was actually the, that's what made me a big Quiet Riot fan was that album, because I really sh- was shown what a great songwriter he was. Yeah. Uh, do you want to weigh in on uh, the dysfunction or why they rap wasn't able to capitalize off after Infestation, Mick? Infestation? Well, like, um, I remember that was released, you know, and it got, like, lots of good press, you know, and... Uh, you know what I mean? There was a buzz around it, you know? Uh, and then, I remember, they went out on a tour with the, um, let's say, the Scorpions that summer. You know yeah. I mean? because, um, because that came out about, I think it was like April of 2010, and then they went out on tour with, like, opening for the Scorpions. And then, I remember, maybe fucking four or five months, they were broke up. Like, um, Eddie Trunk announced yeah. that Stephen Piercy had left the band. And I remember just being fucking gutted, dude, because I love that yeah. album so much. And like I've talked about, Great album. Video, it should have been the beginning of a new era yeah. in rock and roll, dude. They had the perfect lineup because, like, during, I believe, like, a little bit after that tour, at some point in time, Juan came back to the band because Robbie yeah, Crane. Yeah, Juan did come back. Right, right. Because on that first tour with that release, um, Infestation, Robbie Crane was on that album. Yeah. But, like, in that touring 
part for that release. Uh, fucking Juan Crucier came back. And that lineup was lethal, dude, with Carlos, Warren, Bobby, Steven. Yeah. I mean, you basically dude. had everyone there except for but uh, Robin. Robin. And Carlos was a perfect fit, you know. Amazing. But then, like, right, 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 exactly. But, like, you hear Steven Pierce talk about that now. You know, like, he kind of, you know, like, like he talks about that album. Almost like he doesn't really like it a lot. You know, he always says, it's good. It's the best we could have done at this point, you know. But he's like, it's not really rat and roll. It's mm-hmm. not really rat without Robin. And yeah. I think, you know, and I disagree. But it's as close yeah. as you're going to get, though. It's it, it sounds more like rat than the albums after Dancing Undercover, in my opinion. That's Absolutely. I agree. You know, but I think he's Perfect just makes so a pop fucking, metal and metal. He just right. must, must really hate the other guys. <laughs> that, and I think he really, you know, that loss that he had, Robin, man, I think that really fucked him up. And I think yeah. as he gets older, it hurts him more, and I think that's a huge thing of why that band can't really exist now. Because Robin yeah, was yeah. that glue. You I mean they it all kind of hated each other? I think because yeah. I really don't think a lot of them are friends. Like Vince, yeah. Tommy, yeah. Nick, and uh, Nikki. I think they all genuinely kind of like each other. You know, but I the think they, th- they put up with each other enough because they're like, well, we're gonna make a ton of money if we're together as Motley Crue. Let's just put right. up with those rats. Like, you got five people, so it's more people to deal with. And right. they're just not getting enough. That's the thing. Motley Crue, Metallica, Rolling Stones. There have been some very famous bands where members had their issues and don't get along. But there's just so much money involved that they're kind of uh, inspired. They have to. It kind of yeah. makes you go, okay, I'll deal with this asshole for a few months. Right. It's the you difference know- between being... <laughs> filthy rich and not filthy rich but maybe with rat it's like the difference is just like upper middle class or slightly more upper middle class yeah and <laughs> i read steven piercy's uh biography and it really seemed like you know robin was the guy that kind of held everyone together yes. like he was the you know they called him king right and that was for a reason he was like kind of their leader he was the guy when he lost it when he went into his you know depression and he has issues it really tore the band apart, man. When he was overshadowed and he started sinking into his uh, addictions, it really tore the band apart because he was their guy like, that held everyone together. He was their leader. Right. And it really, and notice, yeah. I think Steven was the closest with Robin, and it really, reading his biography, like it really like kind of ate him up, like losing Robin. It really yeah. tore him apart, man. Right. Very and very I think good. now, like in this, you know, age of rat, you know, and Steven Piercy and the whole band, I think he's just kind of realized to himself that that band can't exist without Robin, you know? Yeah. And as amazing, like yeah. I said, as amazing as Carlos was, as amazing of a songwriter as he is, and as amazing as that lineup is, I just don't think it'll ever be the same, man, because those guys just don't get along. They yeah. don't yeah. get along, man. Yeah. And Warren's not hurting for money, because I heard that, I don't know if it's true, uh, but I heard that Warren's wife is one of the owners of the Mars Candy Company. No, I heard you of uh, Warren that's actually related to the Mars people. Oh, yeah, Mars yeah I read that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I, I thought. I he was married. Married. He's like, fuck it, if we're not going to do like you know the original lineup with carlos replacing robin i just don't want to do it because i don't want to deal with the I don't drama need to. i got enough money well, right. there you go so i really don't blame him man i mean fuck if you don't have to go out and tour to make a living if you're living pretty well why deal with all the drama you know right yeah, you know i mean they're all getting older i mean warren i think now he's just now probably close to 60 because i know he's yeah. the youngest guy in the band and he's yeah. an amazing 
in my opinion, best, like, you know, out of all the hair metal bands, he's the best right. guitarist of all the hair metal bands. Right. Amazing guitarist. Uh, but I've heard really, like, in the last couple of years, um, I heard from certain uh, people in circles that he has really bad hearing loss. And really? A lot yeah, of those guys that, do, yeah. 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 And that, that leads to why he, you know, one of the factors why he's kind of not really wanting to go out and do it. You know, yeah, I would be surprised say, yeah. if Lynch has hearing loss because if he knows Lynch, man, can't he's a great guitar player, but man, he if you listen to him trying to do like his old solos from Doctor, yeah. he can't do it as well. And I would be surprised yeah. if like hearing loss attributed to that. It, yeah, like George Lynch live now, he's yeah, I mean, he's still got it. He's sloppy as fuck though. He yeah, should like he, he can't do his solos like he used to. He right. should have listened to Don when Don t- told him to turn his guitar t- down. Right. <laughs> right. I'm Nick. Okay. Thank you so much. Always yeah, one of our guests. You were our very first guest, and it's great to have you back on again and talking about rat. Who else were we gonna have? We had to have Mick Watkins talk about rat and real. Awesome. awesome. Thank you guys. This thank album, you. have some beer. So anything besides <laughs> your own shit, which of course you should plug again. But anything else in addition to that that you'd like to plug or talk up? Any cool like album you've been listening to recently? Yeah, we've been listening uh, to. Oh, album listen to. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, let me let me think. What have I um, been listening? Well, honestly, for the past couple weeks, man, I've been on a Wasp kick, dude. I've me really too. Been jamming some Wasp, you know. And for you know, I mean, because I started getting into Wasp around the time or a couple of years, you know, like um, after the fact that I started listening to Rat, you know. So. I mean, at first, whenever I was getting in um, to Wasp, I went out and bought everything, every fucking thing. And then I was like, you know what? I kind of really just like those first four um, releases, you know, Wasp, uh, Last Command, Electric Circus, and and Deadless Children. That shit's the best Wasp. Love that stuff. But now over the last, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks or so, I've really started getting into the later stuff. You know, I guess more of the uh, Blackie Laws solo band era wasp you know and dude a very strong just uh um catalog of music very consistent band wasp has been so yeah i've been cranking some wasp a lot man and uh what the fuck else you know i've been listening what's up no no go go ahead man yeah and i've been listening to uh, i gotta plug haunt man haunt is a great modern uh metal band been listening to their latest release Excellent stuff, man. Yeah, and what's next for uh, Wild Ride? You got a uh, how long it, you touring any place <laughs> interesting in the coming months? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, actually, tomorrow night we're gonna be playing Metal Monday here here in uh, Kentucky, and uh, that's our next gig. And then we're gonna finish out the year the next uh, couple months with a slew of shows. I think most of them are you know kind of like uh, in the southern areas, you know, stuff Midwest, and then. Uh, I think probably around um, Halloween or so, um, we're going to get back into the studio to start work on our next album. So. Awesome. Album number that? three for Wild Round. Yeah, yeah you, can't, that, you know, the Gasoline Alley was your best work yet, so thank you, keep, man. keep moving in that direction. I'm sure it's <laughs> going to be awesome. Great. Yeah, this next one, man, uh, this next one's heavier. You know? Awesome. Nice. I love, you know, I love that heavy yeah. shit. Hey. Get heavier. Yeah. Mick, if I'm gonna make a, I know the last album you did like a cover of a, like a rap song that's real popular now. I forget what the artist was. Yeah, Juice World. Yeah, Juice World. You have to like in because a lot of metal artists do this. You have to do an ABBA cover 
the next EP or album you release, you gotta do an ABBA cover like yeah. all like these great metal artists do. Nice. What song do you think? Um, what song would fit us? Oh the man, there's so many good ones to choose from. Uh, God damn. Um, King Kong songs a good one. <laughs> I like you. Uh, cool. Um, uh, Love Light. Man, ABBA, I don't know, man. There's something about them, man. When you try and do, like, a metal cover of an ABBA song, it just always works, man. Yeah. Yeah, it works for Ghost, so, you know. It does. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take it. Uh, thanks again, Mick. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that next uh, Wild Ride album when you guys finish it. The well, stri- I'm going to recommend, my recommendation, is, <laughs> I was inspired by last week, you know, RMCP, did this great episode where they uh, did Dio's Holy Diver. It's great oh, to yeah. hearing. Episode. That was a great Kenneth. episode. Yeah, just talking about an album they loved again. It was a lot of fun. They've been you on could fire he- lately. Yeah, you could yeah. hear that Ian was especially inspired. But, you know, and it's not much to get me on the Dio kick. You know, it doesn't take much, but it, it got me on the Dio kick this week. But my, like most people, Holy Diver is my favorite Dio album. But my second favorite, we have to jump into the 90s for my Uh-oh. second interesting. My recommendation is Strange Highways. Really? Ooh, that's an interesting choice. Yeah, 93 Strange Highways is my second favorite Dio album. Very interesting. I love this album. To me, it's he builds on what he did with Sabbath with Dehumanizer. Right. It's very interesting because Dehumanizer doesn't sound like anything that Sabbath, what, what Tony was, you know, the two Tonys were doing together, you know, Tony no, Iommi, yeah. Tony Martin. It's like, the, you could tell, in Strange Highways more or less confirms this, that that was all kind of Dio that pushed him into this harder, heavier, darker direction with Dehumanizer. Mm-hmm. Because then, him and, he pretty much just did, he repeated himself. It's like fucking Vertigo shit. He repeated what he did in the 80s, like, he, he does this album, you know, he does Mob Rules, him and Vinny Appleseed, and then t- him and Vinny go off and they do a great album and leave, you know, Sabbath. And mm. so he does Dehumanizer, him and Vinny are back in Sabbath, and then, what do you know, he does the same thing again. <laughs> leaves, him and Vinny go, and they do another album that builds yeah. what they were doing. In the same way Holy Diver built on Mob Rules and Heaven and Hell and actually sounded more like those albums than Born Again. Yeah. Uh, he kind of did the same thing again, but this is like so. Just showing you that Dio and I love Tony Iommi. No disrespect, and he's great. But what I'm getting at is like, he, and this says something about Ronnie James Dio that even when you're playing with someone as distinct and talented as Tony Iommi, that you're clearly the creative leader of any Ooh. band you step into. Yeah, yeah. you know I, that yeah. he steps into a band. Think about what's Rainbow sound like after Dio leaves. You know? Nothing like the other. <laughs> what yeah. Sabbath? And I love like Rainbow after Dio. After Dio. Like, yeah. I think that's like that's one of my top yeah. top like, ten favorite bands. But, but it you get was what I'm saying. Same. Like Dio yeah. brings this kind of sound. Right. And, and to me, it's like what he did in Rainbow, what he did in Sabbath, and then what he does with his own band. That all kind of makes sense together. And. Yeah. Going from Dehumanizer to like think about it to Tear or de- which we love but still so different or Dehumanizer uh, well not Tear uh, actually went to uh, that's right. cross purposes cross purposes which sounds more like a follow up to Tear you yes. know totally yeah. different vibe yeah totally different vibe and whereas with Dehumanizer obviously Strange Highways but not only that I think in this case I think Strange Highways is actually better than Dehumanizer I think it, really. It, 
Yeah, I think they improved upon. Interesting. And I that, that is interesting. And that, that was uh, when Dio started uh, moving, like Dio's lyrical style started shifting like way darker. Oh like, yeah, right. Right from like the believe in yourself, like uh, you know, kind of yeah. kind of lyrics to the more darker, like he was life getting is, life life fucks you in the ass, like life is yeah. dark kind of lyrics. He was almost. getting very very doomy. Yeah. Very doomy, very dark, and in again, uh, and he brought Jeff Pilson joined the band here. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's true. Jeff, Jeff Pilson, amazing bassist. And I just, I love the sound of the guitars. I, you know, uh, and that's a uh, Tracy G on guitars, and the, this the okay. meanness, and this Ronnie just has that mean, nasty, angry bite. So it, yeah. you know, he just does this. I love the songs. You know, Jesus Mary and the Holy Ghost. The title track, Hollywood Black, I love Pain, one of the heaviest songs he ever did. And nice. I just love this whole album. If you haven't listened to it in a while, it's just like a just raw, mean, badass album. And I don't think, from what I've heard, I, I only I don't have any of his albums post Angry Machines. Although I'm going to rectify that in the next week or two. But this sounds like the last great Dio album, from what I've heard. You know, I have all of them from Holy Diver to, to Angry Machines, and right. this is definitely my second favorite. It's right. it's just a badass album. If you haven't listened to it in a while, and Dio's just he's a true artist. He's the real deal, and it's just badass. It's just so fucking heavy and not in that cornball try hard way but in a real like fucking dark sludgy heavy doomsday kind of way yeah. i love strange highways i'll so, check it out man so that's uh, now i'm not real like i didn't really listen to a whole lot with dio uh, yeah, pretty much after dream evil i was kind of with solo dio or what's that what's that one lock up the wolves after that one i was kind of like eh you that's know a grower. I was done that's, with Dio. Well, that, that's a grower that's one i didn't think was so hot the first like few times i listened to it but i really love that album now too yeah. it's just a really yeah tall, great album. Kind of a transition album that's i think yeah. it's one uh yeah i think it's i'll give strange highways a chance yeah it, it, it really grows on you it's a great transition album it's All like right. transitioning to the raw heavy thing but still has that kind of righteous 80s vibe kind of to it so it's kind of a perfect transition album all right. for him all right. but yeah but it's all it's all great i mean it's fucking deal he's awesome what, yeah. what what are you recommending eric oh man so i've been listening to this album a shit ton lately and it's a real favorite album a real favorite album of mine uh i'm talking about uh the debut album from 1980 or excuse me 1981 by venom welcome to Ooh. hell Ooh, holy man. shit man just what Love a fucking it. album i I when I was in middle school, like all throughout my middle school years, I was at a Christian, like a private Christian school. Uh-huh. Holy shit, man! That's an album I got into big time when I was in Christian school, and I got in so much goddamn trouble for listening to this at Christian school, man. But uh, Venom, dude, what a fucking band! Like, if you <laughs> like early Slayer, like the first two albums by Slayer, you'll love you some fucking Venom, man. Yeah. Just. Uh, Real chaotic sounding, real fast, just real blasphemous fucking lyrics. And I'm a fucking, you know, I'm a Christian, man. I believe in God. I say my prayers at night. I try and be a good person in life. Uh, I'm not one of those Christians that's going to shove the Bible up your ass and, you know, try and treat you like shit because maybe you, uh, you know, you're whatever, whatever you do in your life that's not harming me. I'm, I pride myself on trying not to be one of those kind of people, man. I fucking, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, uh, I'm a, you know, try and be a good person, but I fucking will listen to Venom non-fucking-stop, because it's good fucking music, baby. Um, 
was, you know, like, in league with Satan, man. Witching Hour, uh, Poison, just so many classics on this. I also recommend, man, you get the deluxe version because there's so many B-sides that Venom released that are really good that weren't on the album. They're phenomenal, you know, like uh, Redline Fever, Bloodlust, um, In Nomine, Satanas, you know. Just a great fucking album, man. Just if you're gonna listen to one Venom album, check out uh, "Welcome to Hell," their debut. Great fucking album, man. I agree, hundred percent. I love that album. It's my yep. favorite Venom. Oh, album. it's so good. My favorite yep. track's "Angel Dust." I love Angel yeah. Dust. Yeah, but that's you know, a good the one. First time I yeah. heard Venom was actually uh, I heard the "In League with Satan" cover by Voivod. My dad, my dad loves tribute albums or like cover albums where you hear like a band and you hear like a uh, different artists doing their songs. My dad loves that. He loves hearing other bands interpret uh, songs that influence them. He had a compilation album. It had uh, Voivod's cover of uh, In League With Satan. And now's how I discovered Venom. I'm like, whoa, this song rules. I need to check out this Venom band. And it was just, they're, they're cool. When you're like 13 and like, especially you're being in a Christian school where they're judging you based on your long hair and, uh, your what music you like it was just you know something rebellious and badass to listen to venom you know i love this fucking band and this album is fucking phenomenal awesome all right well that's all cool we all had some pretty good recommendations oh, thank yeah. you so much mr dick twakins aka yep. mick Watkins. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. And hey, man, if you're listening to this episode and you haven't checked out Wild Ride yet, man, do yourself a favor and check out Wild Ride. Great fucking band. Whether you like traditional heavy metal or like hair metal, whatnot, you're going to fucking love them. Yeah, check out. Exactly. Because we like riding a very thin line, you know, in between the kind of just old school metal and the kind of the glamier side, you know. Yeah. You ride that line; it's perfect. You know, you kind of straddle that line. You're, you know, heavy, but you're, yet you're kind of melodic and catchy too at the same time. Right. Yeah, still got the hooks. You know? Yeah, hell yeah. yeah! It's very purely just metal, '80s metal. Like you kind and of. And they have like, strippers on stage with them. We do every now and then. Yes. <laughs> and Mick's got great stage presence. He's up there with his fucking slime green bass. It's awesome. Hell yeah. Slimer bass with Slimer yeah. from Ghostbusters. Hell yeah. That's right, dude. Thank you, guys. That's badass. And also, oh, yeah. you should check out his YouTube channel. It's awesome. His radical record reviews. They're all awesome. radical rocking. Yeah. <laughs> radical rocking. There you go. There you it's, go. Dude, whenever I'm recording videos, sometimes I've got to like do the video three or four fucking times before i you know actually get it right so i don't like Except, i don't see any edits and that's the thing i mean you just look like you just knock it out but, i don't know. edit i just go for the flow dude. yeah but at first i love to your, restart it you know. but you got a few false starts though before you get <laughs> definitely <in there. laughs> ah, i love your haunt video where you did the whole like uh oh kicks you in the nuts you just see your little foot like kick up in the screen <laughs> yeah that shit makes me laugh every time yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Well, you're a superstar and a super stud. Thank yep. you, Mick. And I guess Thank we're you guys. O-U-T out here. Peace and hair grease. All right, guys. See you next All time. Right. Tits and clits, baby. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> out. All right, guys.